is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live. Dot com. Quick update on a story we brought you over the weekend. There were roundups here in New Hampshire uh, this past several days or the past few days, uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday night, I believe was that they picked up or Saturday day. They picked up three activists in three days, three liberty activists that uh, moved here as part of the Free State Project, as did Mark and myself. Guard, you're a New Hampshire native. Yes, sir. Uh they came here and they they got active for liberty as over 10,000 people have pledged to do over 800 people are here in New Hampshire already and we're looking to get to 20,000 so go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the free state project but these activists are peaceful they they do not uh, harm others they do not aggress against peaceful people and they were arrested at their homes one of them and his roommates had guns pointed at them wow you did not hear about this Guard? Well, this is uh, this is what you're talking about. Is this Jim and Mike and those guys? Yeah, Mike had had guns. Yeah, pointed I saw at it at freekeen.com. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there's some video footage up there at freekeen.com as well. And uh, so they were arrested on what was appar- apparently disorderly conduct charges this morning. And by the way, this is for disorderly conduct that happened allegedly four weeks ago at the during the Liberty Forum during the 420 celebration. So now they've gotten around to actually making arrests that they. Originally had a, I guess they intended to make that day, but they thought the crowd would get too wild if they kept making arrests on that day. So they waited quietly and tried to discern from activist videos online and postings on on forums to uh, as to who the people in the videos were. I guess they have uh, they've ascertained at least two, uh, three of the people: uh, Jim Johnson, uh, Big Mike, and Lauren Canario. Lauren has yet to be arrested. Jim and Big Mike were arrested over the weekend. Their arraignments were this morning in Nashua District Court, and of course, activists of came course. out to support them. Yeah. Uh, Big Mike, they tried to extort two hundred and fifty dollars from him. Right, I saw that. Bail. and he's not he's not buying that. Yeah, he has decided that uh, he is not going to be paying the state any money, so they put him in a jail cell. Bail isn't paying the state any money. Bail is... Uh, well, it is. If they find you up. guilty, they're going to take that money out of your, eh, your bail. That's, that's, a, that, that's a good point. So, yeah. At least I believe they can do that. It's their system. They can probably do whatever it is they want with your money when you give it to them. But if you don't give it over, then they can't take it. So he's not giving anything, and they're going to stick him in a jail cell on a disorderly conduct charge for an entire month until the trial. Wow. Yeah. This is a violation, right? It's not a misdemeanor. It may be a misdemeanor. It, I don't know. I don't okay. have the, that detail. I know that Jim, having just gotten back from dinner uh, with him, because he is out, they were talking about charging him with disorderly conduct. Turns out the charge is impeding traffic. Impeding traffic? Or interfering. I think it might have been, might have been interfering with traffic, which is apparently a Class A misdemeanor. So they let Jim out. They were going to charge him $100. He said he didn't have the money to pay. Then they decided to make it personal recognizance. So one guy gets charged with disorderly conduct for standing in the street and talking calmly to the police. If you've seen the video right. of uh, the, the crackdown that we're talking about, you, you can see Big Mike just chatting with the cops. He's not in their way. He's not standing in front of the police car or anything like that. He's just talking calmly to them. So he's in jail for $250 uh, that he wouldn't pay. 
for an or for an entire month. They let Jim walk out, and it was uh, I don't know if it was the same judge or not, but it was the same courthouse. They let Jim walk out on personal recognizance on a similar charge. There's no consistency. No, it's... You, you, you can't. Pres- you cannot predict what these people are going to do one moment to the next. That's because That's you don't have a nation of laws. You have a nation, yeah, of, a nation of men. Exactly right. When right. you have, when you have uh, I mean, and that's, that's what we're told all along. My God, we have a nation of laws here. No, we don't. Right. Because if we did, these guys would have been charged uniformly. They would have been treated uniformly. And, uh, you know, the, the, they would be executed on the, uh, the mall lawn at noon uniformly. But you know what? Even if it were a nation of laws, the laws are still made by men anyway. You, you can always reduce it yeah. to the men. All politics yep. is based on who has the power. Men and, and women that I don't know, I don't know those people, and I didn't ask them to go and do that. Right, and they write the laws. I mentioned this once over one of my podcasts. They write the laws, and I got this once from a former New Hampshire Supreme Court justice. They write the laws with the word reasonable in there all the time so that it gives leeway to the politicians so have and a, the people have on the ground, open, the cops. Yeah, it's, it's completely yep. open-ended for them. Yes. And, of course, as we've seen, and I've actually in the midst of reading uh, Mark Stevens' wonderful book, Adventures in Legal Land, highly recommended, mm. Um, in in the midst of uh, of reading that, where he talks about a lot of these things and and how the you know the justice system is really nothing more than a cover for violence, yeah, because when it point. comes to the laws, this, their so called laws, their rules, when it comes to the government's rules, we all have to follow them, but they but don't. They don't. <laughs> you got that right. Man. They, they actually even have in the court rules for the judges that a judge, the man in the robe, can just decide to waive the rules at any time he deems necessary. So there really are no rules that apply. I mean, even in their own rules, they admit that there are no rules. Now, from their side, you could say, well, you know, you gotta, you got to give the judge some leeway because he's the guy who's there every day and knows what's going on, and he has to have some sort of control over what's happening in the court. I mean, come on. But the whole idea of the court system is predicated on what? On having some sort of justice system that protects the rights of the individuals, supposedly the government was created to protect. So uh, if these guys can just arbitrarily wipe away your rights and arbitrarily make up their own rules, then really that whole rationale for the existence of government and what it's supposed to do is bogus. We can recognize it as bogus. It is a fight of power. Tomorrow will be an interesting day since tomorrow is the 20th. 420. Ooh, yes, it will. It certainly will. And uh, and now my question, and before we get to that, Ian, uh, my question, you guys, is will this devolve? See, you guys are very, very – everybody who's been involved with the Free State Project movement and the nonviolent protests have been very smart. They bring up their show of force in numbers and peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. Will this be the sort of thing that continues? Uh, the The idea of force against force here seems to be the aggression of government against the peaceful exposure of that aggression by individuals. And this will continue, will it? Oh, absolutely. And the only way to expose their aggression is to remain peaceful. If you decide to get violent, then it will. there will be no question in people's minds who are watching who is at fault. Yep. You already have enough people against you when you do peaceful civil disobedience because there's just still so many people that are so locked into uh, the, you know, the, st- the pro-state mindset yes. uh, where they're ad- identifying with their abusers with this Stockholm syndrome. You already have enough of that to deal with yeah. when you just do peaceful civil disobedience. If you get violent and uh, then 
it's it's all over. Let me give you an example. I, I was chatting with. I don't want to pull this too far from from what's been going on, but um, since this is the 19th and it's the anniversary not only of Patriots Day, you know, Lexington and Concord, but also the anniversary of the Waco massacre by the oh, Clinton administration geez, I didn't know that. on totally bogus trumped up charges uh, by the ATF, and also the anniversary of the Murrow Building bombing by Timothy McVeigh. I want to concentrate just for a second on that Timothy McVeigh thing and tie that into what you're saying because. Or, or, for example, the guy uh, a while back who flew his uh, uh, pl- private plane into an IRS building just a number of mm-hmm. months ago because he was going to have basically his life was being destroyed by the IRS. Um, now, in an abstract form, we can say that that guy who flew his plane into the IRS building, actually, he is justified in defending his property. In order, on a philosophical sense, in a philosophical sense, in order for an individual to uh, be able to survive, he has to be able to retain his property and control it. If he has no assurance of control of his own property, then he has no assurance that he'll be able to take care of his life. Mm-hmm. If It's just the way it works. So if you are having your property threatened, then you have a right to defend yourself. But in the public eye, this guy doing this, absolutely crazy. He's killing innocent IRS agents. Yeah. Right. And And so... That sort of thing, even though if you were to really pare it down, if, for example, I brought this up before. If I were talking to a politician about the health care proposal and I said, hey, if I don't want if if I would just want to be left alone, will you come and make me do something? And you say, well, you have to. Well, will you get people enforce me? And what if I resist? Then they'll say, well, then we'd have to take you away. So what you're saying is you're threatening me with aggression, right? Well, no, the men with badges would be doing the threat. Exactly. They don't look at it as aggression in the public eye. There's more coming up here at 800-259-9231, and that's what we need to change. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. Talk Live, you can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They're free for you at freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the real-world information and detail um, of the real-world news and the lies that lie behind the propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch. It's freedomsphoenix.com. All right, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Started out by uh, giving you an update on some of the activists that were rounded up in arrests, in some cases at gunpoint over the weekend. Things are getting 
pretty serious up here, uh, I would say. And it's now more so than ever. We need people to, to make the move up to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Uh, the sooner you can get here, the better. There's a lot going on. It's not just all civil disobedience and non-cooperation. There's also inside the system stuff happening here, which that's the, uh, that aspect of the activism should start to kick into gear here in a few months. They're having a vote today in the state Senate about uh, legalizing or decriminalizing uh, small amounts of marijuana, which, of course, the uh, Didn't they already vote that down? They ta- the, 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 the committee tabled, basically tabled it, um, voted to... That was this uh, afternoon? In ex- no, that was previous. Uh, oh, expedient to le- legislate. Well, actually, they're having a vote today on, on, on a bill else. on this. Yeah. Huh. And, Don't uh, hold your breath. Yeah, and yeah, the governor is, is promised to veto it. But the fact that it makes it through the House is huge. And this yeah. is the other thing that people sort of need to understand is, uh, you know, the first thing, you've got to walk before you can run. The first thing that we're going to do here in the Free State Project is we're not going to be passing all kinds of pro-freedom legislation and rolling back the tide of big government. You're going to be stopping the uh, the stuff that comes along first. There's a big difference between stopping bad legislation and passing good legislation, and um, that's that's where you know the reasonable people need to look is not looking for oh we've had these huge victories by rolling back government that doesn't make much sense. If you're going to wait for uh, gov- the you know government the tide of government in New Hampshire to be uh, to be rolled way back before you come, then you're going to be living be in whatever uh, arduous state uh, that you're in already for quite some time i think you know it takes a multi-pronged approach really obviously you have to have people who are willing to try to stop those laws you have to have people like you guys who are willing to converse with people try to change minds uh i was talking with uh, glenn jacobs last night and he was mentioning uh ernie hancock and ernie's satisfied in in just uh freeing minds and we changing just launched minds. a show by the way on uh, the liberty radio network ernie's he's great. our new, he's our new live show he, he, comes, awesome. he actually leads into us now so if you go to liberty network.com at five o'clock eastern you can get it uh, Ernie's show, and then we follow him up at 7. Ernie, the guy's amazing. He does two shows a day. He's incredible. Awesome. I couldn't imagine doing something like that. <laughs> I don't know how they do. I know he's not the only one in radio that does that, and it's yeah. just, that's a lot of yeah, preparation of and work. And Good for Ernie. I got, Ernie enough, I got enough on my plate, <laughs> so we'll let him take care of that. But, you know, Ian, I just want to mention r- yeah. very briefly, just to make sure that people don't misinterpret, I'm not trying to mitigate what, uh, what uh, Timothy McVeigh did in our last segment. I was talking about uh, the way that the um, the government action is seen and the way that uh, protest action is seen, violent protest action. Um, if you look, for example, today, the headlines all say the anniversary of Oklahoma City bombings. Yeah. I don't see any headlines, the anniversary of Waco. OK, now Waco happened to be one of the biggest assaults on individual liberty and mass killings by the federal government it since was the days of the Indians. And uh, well, without war or without uh, yeah. un, un, undeclared war, but on its own own soil per se, um, and it's it seems to be completely forgotten. Not only that, but people like Bill Clinton are out there spouting off this nonsense that talk shows like ours, where people question authority and have conversations about principles and philosophies and leaving one's neighbor alone, questioning whether government is really the best way to do things. That's dangerous and inspires people like Timothy McVeigh to do what he did. Now, one of the interesting things that I found uh, that Courtney actually looked a lot of this stuff up, she discovered that Timothy McVeigh originally was going to go after a different building. Uh, but he discovered that there was a uh, florist, private private business in the same building. Mm-hmm. He moved away from that one. He chose the Murrow building because it was federal offices. I don't know whether he knew there was the daycare center there. 
He also chose it because it had a very large parking area, and he didn't want the other buildings damaged because they were private offices. He also directed the explosion towards the federal building in, in a certain way. Now, You're not apologizing for this no, guy, No, but, but by his behavior, you can see what he was doing. He was targeting the federal employees. And like I said, I'm not trying to mitigate it or excuse it or anything, but in studying this thing, you say to yourself, this guy was responding uh, two years to the day after Waco. There was a reason for that. He went after federal employees. He did it in a certain way. He mm-hmm. had reasons for that. And I think it it's really beneath anybody to look at this sort of thing X number of years later without studying what his motives were, as twisted as they were. It's important. It's exactly. important to know that. And, and people exactly. ignore that stuff. Right. Uh, like, like, like they do with Osama bin Laden, who has said Precisely. time and time again that the reasons for the attacks on uh, 9-11 were the, the, the meddling of the, the – excuse me, the meddling of the military in the Middle East. Right. A lot of ends there. Now, um, we'll be attacked. You can be attacked if – just trying to say, look, he was a criminal. He killed innocent people. And he meaning Timothy McVeigh and of course yeah. yeah all these guys yeah um, and those are not those are not justified approaches but in an abstract sense you look at other people who take action against the government and you say you know what if you were to really really pare it down and logically tear it apart if if my life or my livelihood is being threatened I have a right to self defense uh, yes I can I can empathize with that viewpoint yes. because I used to be there you were and I've I've talked about those things in the past and I've I've moved away from it not just because of how it's seen you're right guard that's, about that's how right. people see violence right. against the government they see it as illegitimate and they see it as uh, as wrong I also think that and in many it's just, cases it is. Yes. I, I, I also think that it's just wrong, period, to lower yourself to their level. Violence is the level uh, that they operate at. We can be better than that. And, uh, I, you know, I also believe that violence begets violence. So I That's believe right. that if I'm violent back against them, then that just gives them the reason to, to go out and crush some more heads and, and become more violent, whether and I'm alive it at does, that point It or does not. in their mind. Yeah. And I, well, I, I honestly think that people think there's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a right or left sort of thing, on-offer thing, which is that if you can't get satisfaction through government, through the political process, that you have to then kill. you've got to get violent. Yeah. And you, you guys have found a different way. Just don't participate. Get away and and show through withdraw your yourself explicitly. Exactly, and exactly. withdraw your participation in as much as you can possibly do. Withdraw your cooperation and more. Most importantly, get together in the same physical uh, geographic area as other people who are of a, of like mind as we are doing here in New Hampshire. Yeah, because if you're all alone and non cooperating. The tanks, the treads will just run right over top of you, and you will be squished, and no one will even know what, what happened. But here, when something happens, there are people who will trumpet what is going on, who will stand with you. There's more coming up. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Take control. 
MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. Vanguard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got our bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. It's all free. Head on over to bbs.freetalklive.com, get interactive with other listeners, and uh, be warned, it is virtually unmoderated. bbs.freetalklive.com. If you're going to make a major purchase here in the relatively near future, you need to think about your credit report. Um, it can save you hundreds or thousands, most likely thousands of dollars on uh, a home or a car if you have uh, your credit score cleaned. And they can do that at cleaningcredit.com. It's a law firm uh, out of uh, South Florida. They've been part of the Better Business Bureau for more than six years, listed in number one in the consumer advocacy category. It's cleaningcredit.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We continue here uh, with uh, your phone call. Zach is in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Zach. You're on the AMP line. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I just wanted to talk to everyone about the implied social contract that um, most Americans operate on. Mm. Um, how I develop my views, I like to go and uh, research critiques of them and what the other side has to say about a particular issue. Okay. And I was doing that the other night, and I came across um, an explanation of the social contract that kind of stopped me in my shoes, and I wanted to see what the three of you thought. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's just a couple paragraphs, and I'll just read you what this guy wrote, and then uh, you can shoot back what your first thoughts are. There are several explicit means by which people make the social contract with government. The commonest is when your parents choose your residency and or your citizenship after your birth. In that case, your parents are contracting for you, exercising their power of custody. No further explicit action is required on your part to continue the agreement, and you may end it at any time by departing and renouncing your citizenship. What do you guys think? Okay, well, I've did got you this. repeat? I couldn't understand the term. Did you say a communist is that? I uh, don't believe so. Communist. Well, a communist. Okay, yeah. so um, communist. I, th- this is the choosing one's cell in the prison argument, all right? Um, I, I was in prison. I spent nine years in prison. Uh, if anybody wants to check it out, they go wiki.freetalklive.com and find out more. Um, the the fact is, there were better and worse cells. I had a cell where, for a while, that I could look out and see a uh, fountain and uh, you know the moon shining through, and it was mm-hmm. it was relatively nice. And honestly, I did pick that room because I had worked myself up in the social hierarchy there in the prison and and uh, polished boots and done whatever I needed to do uh, with the staff, and I, I was treated quite well. 
Um, however, there were there were rooms where you know it was a very uh, violent pod, or you would be uh, uh, sodomized by some uh, sick person, or you'd be uh, you know gassed on a regular basis in K dorm. There were better and worse cells in the prison, and I could have chosen any of those if I had wanted to. But it's still a prison, and right. is that the way we want to run our societies? Um, and it, you know, it's really the better or worse cancer. Yes, um, from a social contract standpoint, the United States is one of the better places to live from a freedom standpoint when you're looking at technology when you're looking at accessibility of services when you're looking at uh, overall freedom the ability you know free speech and all these other things it's true it's a great prison cell but is it am i wrong am i bad am i terrible for wanting more freedom for me and my family and the people that explain the social contract well, I, you know i whether it's legitimate or illegitimate they're still going to throw me in a cage if i don't follow it so it doesn't it's an argument that doesn't really matter well it's just something that in their minds justifies the violence i mean when right. when when you when you object to the social contract theorist when you object to them and you say yeah i don't agree with this i don't want to go along with it they're hurting peaceful people well they say well it's a social contract this is why the government's here you agree to it and then like you're saying uh zach that they cite the idea that well your parents birthed you and they filled out some paperwork and so i mean this is essentially what it was what was proposed here they they birthed you filled out some paperwork and voila viola you are in the social contract and you are a party to it and if you don't like it you can physically leave yeah you're yeah, old well, enough now yeah <laughs> well, and you know that, but yeah. hold on guard and mm-hmm. that goes against all of the definitions of what we're talking about here. And if we're talking about a society, because they'll say things like, well, you're part of this society. It's voluntary. The definition of society has to do with people getting together on a voluntary basis to come together to perform some common task or for some common purpose. And so if you want to say that uh, the signing of a birth certificate is somehow contracting a baby into something that at the point at which they decide they no longer wish to be a part of, they have to physically leave, well, says who? How how is that binding on me? How is any of that binding on me because of what my parents decided to do? How does that make any sense at all? Otherwise, parents could just, you know, screw their kids over in all kinds of ways, sign them up for all kinds of it things. It also presupposes the legitimacy of the society in the first place. Perfect. The society of this this government of the United States of America wasn't set up by a unanimous decision of all people that uh, were on that particular landmass at the time. It was decided by a majority. Majority and or or a, or a minority that had just won a war with a bunch of guns, and not, let's not forget what they did with uh, with the with the Indians too. They didn't get a vote at all. Right. Um, it's like stocking the island of uh, of, of Hawaii with uh, servicemen, having them vote, telling the Hawaiians, mm. "Hey, look, you're part of a state now. Good luck." Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is an illegitimate social contract from the very beginning, right? Because, because the- there's not a contract where I come up and it's Jeremy, right? Uh, no, it's no Zach. Zach, Zach uh, it's not a contract. If I come up and stick a gun in your face and say, "Hey, you're on me and guards team now. You do what we say. You don't like it, and you're a deviant." Oh, Zach, one more thing, not to to pile on too much, but um, what all these guys said, it just it's it rings so true. And to pare it down, there in in political disputation or philosophical disputation, there is a term called the right to exit. And if your relative choices are worse or it's difficult to get to the places where that are would be equal or better then your right to exit is limited if your right to exit is limited then all of social contract theory 
is shot down because the idea is, well, if you don't like it, just go someplace else. Well, the uh, the else to which you would go is either as bad or worse, or it's very difficult to get away. And besides that, even that concept presupposes that it's up to you to get away just because you were born there and raised there. It shouldn't be. What obligation? Yeah, the, the, the fact that there's a mafia in town and you were born into that town or there's a mafia uh, in that town doesn't, doesn't mean that, well, if you stay there, you accept it. It might mean that it's difficult to get away from them. It might mean that you would like to stay where, the, where you are and you choose not to accept it. You're a free individual. So all social contract theory is predicated on, on utter falsehoods and a lack of the yeah. understanding of reality and individual sovereignty. It's like calling political science science, as though it has anything to do with yeah. science. The social contract isn't a, isn't a contract because there's no meeting of the minds. Right. And the, and they, yeah. the people that are supposedly contracting uh, do not consent. They don't come to an understanding of what is being proposed. There's no offer and acceptance your parents aren't being uh, – you they, at any point are never being presented with the, the offer. You're never given the opportunity to accept or, or deny it. There's no mutual consideration, uh, meaning that there's, no, there's not an exchange of something of value, and there's no performance or delivery because the government has no obligation to, uh, to perform. And the way they call it the contract is, is – it's, it's just so angering. It just incenses me. It is. They it's used an to insult to, a real con- to real contracts. But yeah. Zach, uh, thoughts on all that? Well, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, this guy, he wrote a bunch of essays on several different topics. So uh, maybe I'll call him tomorrow night and pick your guys' brains on a different one. That would be great. Yeah, Where yeah. did you get this from again? Maybe we could find out who it is. Talk to him. Uh, I just Googled critiques of libertarianism. and first link. Is it the Government is Good website? Uh, that I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, because there there's some guy out there who's a, a college professor who's created a website called Government is Good. And it's basically uh, a big critique of libertarianism. Thank you for the call tonight, Zach. Appreciate it. Because the social contract is a big, big objection that some of the most just devout status will bring up and just tout as though it's uh, it's utter truth. And it's just utter it's so nonsense. Weak. Really weak. Yeah. 800-259-9231. Social contract basically means you do as we say, whatever it is that we say. You didn't agree to anything. Now obey, sucker. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. Site is basically created by listeners like you. You can go and create an account. It's free. And then you can add in whatever kinds of uh, show prep suggestions that you might want to hear on Free Talk Live. You might think our listeners would enjoy. Uh, whether it be an article from the internet, some news source, or a video, or blog post, whatever you want, you can uh, put it into the site, and then other listeners will vote them up or vote them down based on how they feel, and you can do the same thing. And then the most popular stories, supposedly, will make it to the front page of our website, making it more likely we'll use them for uh, our on-air stuff here. So head over to freetalklive.com and get interactive. That's freetalklive.com. We continue uh, taking your phone calls 
going first to Ryan, listening in Washington. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner. you got to turn down whatever that is that you're listening to, though. Is that, uh, is that too loud? Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, any, any, any loudness is too loud, but I can't hear it now, so go ahead. Okay. Uh, just a quick thought on the social contract. You know, the idea that signing the birth certificate binds the, the child for life to the, to the contract seems to fly in the face of the way custodial contracts have traditionally been done, uh, in addition to all the other points that you guys made. Uh, you know, just as an example, if you take your kid to the doctor, they generally make you fill out forms. You fill out your for- the forms on behalf of your kid, go in and see the doctor, and then you leave and don't pay. The doctor doesn't sue the child, they sue the parent. Yeah, good point. Because the re- responsibility for the contract comes with the, the person who made the agreement. Right, even if you were 17 when the parents signed the papers... Involved. Even if you were 17 years old when your parents signed the papers and then 18 years old by the time the doctor was done treating you, as long as your parents are still there, um, ostensibly they're supposed to foot the bill. Also, yep. if, uh, if if for whatever reason you manage to uh, get some credit for your child, and I've heard of this being done, like credit credit card, uh, yeah, like credit cards and things like that for your child, and then you use them yourself and basically trash your child's credit, mm. you owe your child. I mean, you it, it's they can actually bring suit against you. So it's this this further backs up yep. your statement. <clears throat> yeah. Yep, that's also often considered a form of fraud. Um, the other, you know, the the flip side of that, the, the kind of evil flip side, is that. Um, you know, before you're 18, you can't earn money either. If you sign a, well, okay, sorry, I guess it's, it varies per state, but, you know, um, there's, there's lots of, been, you know, been lots of stories where, like, child actors uh, went and earned a whole bunch of money and their parents took it all and right. legally it, entitled to it because they were too young to sign the contract. As mm-hmm. I understand it, this is true everywhere, as that parents have the right to the money that their children earn while, on, while at work. Of course, uh, that's mitigated by the fact that in most uh, areas, uh, children aren't really allowed to work until they're, I think, 15, and that's so arduous that it's really 16 or 17 that mm-hmm. the kids can start to work. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I just, I just thought I'd mention that, um, and uh, that's it. I got to run. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. <laughs> don't want to keep you. The, um, <laughs> I, I would like to point out the child labor laws don't protect children from working. They protect children from a certain type of work. Um, I, I mean, nobody would say that an academic doesn't work. Right. Sure. But children are forced every day uh, by by the letter of the law and uh, truancy laws and things like that to go to work to school. So children have to work. They just have to work at, uh, well, jobs that don't pay anything. Government approved. That's right. Also, you can spawn your children and have them uh, work in your family business, you uh, you know, restaurant or or farm or whatever, and work them until their little fingers bleed, if that's what you choose to do. And that's completely legal. Um, Child actors, of course, legal. So the idea that we've somehow been uh, Saved for, uh, the children have been saved by the these the Democrats uh, from child labor is absolutely ludicrous. Doesn't make any sense. All it's done is taken jobs that uh, children could have you know earned money from if we and, may, actually and if they were free for, for people. Yeah, if they, not only earn money but also earn life experience, yeah. which is just so valuable. Right, I, I, I went didn't to work really at mature until I started working in the, with the public. I oh, went yeah. to work at twelve, and I consider what I learned from the time I went to work probably more valuable than anything I learned. Did in you high guys school. ever hear the story about? Uh, Alex, uh, Alex Roy, Alex Ray, who runs the uh, Common Man restaurants in New Hampshire. No, the one um, about the kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. And just real quick, uh, everybody, this is a, an amazing story. He he decided, you know what? I know how valuable it is for young kids to work. I'll set up a summertime work program for the kids where they can run our breakfast shops in our hotels. And they're great sort of rustic sort of hotels. 
they'll run the whole kitchen area. They'll buy the food. They'll set their own hours. They'll do everything. They'll do the orders. They'll learn everything about this, especially if they're interested in getting in this field. And you know what? These kids did it. Yeah, it was great. They come from these high schools, and their parents are like, thumbs up. This is cool. And they're getting involved. The kids set their own hours. They worked extra because they were getting tips and all these things. The government of New Hampshire comes in, Mm. finds him because the kids set their own hours in violation of labor laws. The kids chose to work at what they wanted to do, and the government said, no, sir, you have provided them this opportunity to work more. You are doing something bad. So he got fined like 5000 bucks. Because these kids wanted to set their own hours, and they said, "I don't know whether he was paying them, uh, you know, how he was paying them, or, or whatever." But it may not even be that he was paying them. I mean, it, I, uh, the, the two dollars and thirteen cents an hour that I made as a server uh-huh. was just to pay the taxes, uh, the, you know, on on my paycheck. The money I made was the tips. Oh, period. everything. End as of far story. as as far as everything was concerned, you know, the kids they volunteered to get involved. They were they making enough to come hours. back. They were right. making. They loved it. They loved what they were doing. It was a great time for them. Live free. Or die, man. Live free or die. Oh, somebody said on a forum recently that New Hampshire follows that uh, motto. I'm that sorry, so no, silly. Well, uh, I think that New Hampshire probably follows that model more so than most states. I mean, you know, it's it's a relative thing. I don't know. Live free or die. It's only two choices there. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Brody listening in Utah. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brody. Hey, guys. What's on your mind? Uh, it sounds like you're uh, pretty much on topic of what I actually want to talk about tonight. I've been wanting to call in for a little while. Um, I've been reading – I read most of uh, Mark Stevens' book, Adventures in Legal Land. Oh, yeah. Great book. And uh, even though I was a voluntarist before I read it, it's, uh, it still opens your mind. Uh, to, yeah, he really puts some perspective on the whole judicial system uh, in, in process that I think is really unique and people deserve to hear. Yeah. And but yeah, it really opens your mind and makes you really think about reality and obligations. Um, now I know you guys, guys have talked about uh, the fact that the Constitution isn't a, a binding contract that anybody has signed. Um, but another aspect that I've uh, thought about recently is uh, something that everybody knows, but it's amazing how everybody just glosses over it. And I brought this up to my friend uh, the other night with uh, when I was having a conversation with him, and he's in the military, very heavily statist. Mm. Um, but the, the, the thing I brought up is the United States government was established by just a bunch of men writing some words on paper. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and it was established by a bunch of men writing some words on paper. The Constitution was, as uh, as other people have pointed out, like Boston Tea Party and Glenn Jacobs, uh, you know, told me, at the threat for – to in order to um, – to accept the Constitution, they needed they needed the, the states to sign on. Rhode Island, by an 11-1 margin, they had a vote, a, a plebiscite. They did not want to approve the Constitution. And so the states threatened, the other states threatened an embargo, which is an act of war. Well, by using the term state, you also just mean group of men. Yes, right? but yes, the other so groups, they needed of men groups of from men the other to states. say okay yes. before they could go ahead with their piece of Precisely. paper. Precisely. Well, so stated. either way, we're still talking about a slightly larger group of men than mm-hmm. we origi- exactly. than Brody originally mentioned. Exactly. The people in Rhode Island who were the groups of men decided that they didn't want to do it, although this was a larger representative body, that, a huge, huge plebiscite that said, no, we don't want this. And so the Constitution itself was seen by many as sort of a coup d'etat. What, what is the word plebiscite? Yeah, plebiscite. You know, plebiscite. a large, a large vote, a referendum vote. I see. Yeah. The vote of the people. 
a real uh, populist, uh, uh, you know, hearing of the yeah, for of whatever opinions. that's worth. Right. But you know, uh, and it just goes to show you that the Constitution itself. You hear all these great and wondrous things about the Constitution that it was inspired by God. Really, I didn't know God was in favor of th- embargo threats. Uh, Moses you know? brought it down from the mountain. What the hell do you want? I, yeah, so did God these... think black men were three fifths of a man? <laughs> look, 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 let's look at the times here. Okay, I mean, you know, for the times that's, that's what God, God, thought, God, God, God was God was understanding how things were going at the time. So he he handed down the Constitution and uh, and the Gettysburg Address to to uh, Moses Abraham uh, Washington, and he brought it down off the mountain. And we know that God hates women, of course. So uh, g- anyway, go ahead, Brody, with your thoughts. Okay, yeah. So my point is is that they, they wrote some words down on a piece of paper, and, and in essence they said, we're establishing a business that uh, you have to pay us for our services, uh, but we'll let you vote in for the ma- vote the management in. And we don't even have to provide uh, to provide the services. You have to pay anyway. Right, you just have to pay for whatever we want to do. Yeah. So my point is, is well, how is that legitimate for establishing a business? I mean, that's just like me saying, okay, everybody with, I'm, you know, establishing a grocery store and saying, okay, everybody within 50 square miles of my grocery store has to buy food for my grocery store uh, under threat of, of death. Uh, but I'll let you vote for the management. Yeah. Yeah. It's about right. That's great. I mean, that's that's not a legitimate uh, way to do business. No one would accept anything like that, but they accept the government on its face, even though that's how it was established. They sure do, and I think a big reason for it is because they were taught to accept that by the government, because the government's running the schools. Brody, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Are you a domestic terrorist? Do you think you're sovereign? You might just be. We'll talk about the FBI saying that in a moment. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, and we are launching into the second hour of the program. You are invited, as always, to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gar. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us, including our webcam. Go to cam.freetalklive.com. You'll see not only this program air, but also uh, the other programs on the Liberty Radio Network as well. And the cam is brought to you by memorydealers.com. Plus, there's a chat room on the cam page. So you get to watch, listen, and chat with other listeners all at the same time, all for free at cam.freetalklive.com. Again, brought to you by memorydealers.com. We continue here. We'll take your phone calls. Also, coming up, are you a domestic terrorist? Well, possibly the FBI might just consider you so if you believe that you're a sovereign. 
Let's go to Jericho listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Jericho, you're on Free Talk Live. What's up, guys? What's on your mind hey. tonight? Oh, great day to be alive, man. <laughs> hey, well, right now it seems that uh, anybody who disagrees with the government or has anything to say against anybody in the government right now are branded by the government as either racist or domestic terrorist. You know, so I guess in that case, I guess all three of us or all four of us, you know, but I mean, but in reality, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I mean, I have no thoughts, anything, want to attack my government. I think a political assassination is the worst thing you can do to a sitting government because of the disruption it could do. I have no violent thoughts at all. You know, 15 years ago, Oklahoma City, that was terrible. Nobody wants to see anything like that kind of stuff, but... They need to understand, 80% of the people are upset right now. They need to start watching the polls. Washington, D.C. needs to be swept clean completely. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh at you for that one, but, I mean, come on. How many times has that been said? Oh, it's been said, but nothing's going to get better until it happens. When when, when do you think that'll happen? happen. Uh, Honestly, I'd be shocked if it happened in my lifetime. Uh, All right, then. So what's the point in in even saying it? I mean, if you don't believe that it could be be true. is what I'm saying is me and the average American are not a domestic terrorist. We don't want to go blowing around the FBI, you know, FBI buildings in Oklahoma City. That's a fluke thing, a crazy person. You know, they need to quit with the domestic terrorist brands and the racist brands and see what the cause of our anger is. It's them. You know, see, you know, why should they care? You're just going to keep paying them. Yeah, and 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 it's well, in it's in the their thing. best. People need to stop paying them. That's the whole kicker, right that's there. The, that's need the key. To stop paying them. That is because, indeed an important step, I would say. Not only stop paying, because if you stop paying the federal government, that's not the end of the world for them. They can just keep, keep printing more money. So they have to be essentially replaced. Uh, there has to be alternative currencies out there uh, in use, so people can protect the value of uh, the money that the the wealth that they're creating. Uh, so we can separate ourselves from their fiat dollar. And uh, okay. at the same time, people need to non-cooperate to where if the government comes in and demands things of you and your business, uh, that you just simply say, I'm not interested in this anymore. But uh, but uh, you did use the term my government, and that's one of the other things I disagree with you on is they're not my government. I'm not interested in uh, in having a uh, government that is based in coercion and aggression. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the way they act now, that, that is the way it happens. Well, coercion when have they not acted that way? Well, back in the back in the beginning with the founding, I don't think it was set up to to, to act that way. I believe you it's might been be surprised. To, I believe it's been perverted to act that way. You, you might be surprised. You know, Some would say that they broke the Constitution moments after it was uh, it was written. Oh, they certainly did. And, and it was, oh, it's a very well been. I mean, the Declaration yeah. of Independence being forged and signed was you know political bickering and payoffs, just like it is today. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you ever seen a movie called John Adams. It was an HBO special. That was a great, great. Great movie. Uh, you know, and, it's I prefer Sam Adams actually. John Adams was a little <laughs> bit, you know, but you know what I mean. John Adams was more of a statist. Uh, Sam Adams was much more of a radical. John Adams Jeff- was much more inclined to. Jefferson was more of a radical. What's but, I that? Mean, yeah. Yeah. Jefferson was more of a radical too than yeah, Adams. Yeah. But, but you I mean, know, you know. Actually, I just wanted to mention something to you. You brought something really interesting up, and and uh, the idea of uh, of my government that you guys were discussing. What's interesting is even if it is hypothetically, you know, just just talking is a, a nice lesson to derive from this about politics. Is even let's say you you feel comfortable at some point in your life, you could feel like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll call it my government. It's never everybody's government. That's the problem. All government is predicated on forcing someone so yeah. it could as be long your as it's government. using force it's not everybody's exactly government. so it doesn't matter right. even if it's the best government around the very fact that it is government means see because it's the opposite exactly. of the market yeah the, the yeah people, the people who set our country up 
you know, our founding fathers hated government. And I, I truly believe Well, if they hated government, why would they set one up? Well, well, you had to set something up. You need some no, you kind of government action. But, I mean, Maybe in their paradigm they felt that way. Well, they, I, I think yeah. that there's a, there's a difference between 1776 and today. I mean, maybe maybe they really did. I don't know. I can't deal with uh, the past, but I can deal with the right. present. Maybe they really did because, you know, people got around on horseback and things like that. But in today's uh, culture where, uh, you know, messages are transferred in an instant and there's so much communication that goes on, I don't think that we need a coercive government telling everyone how to uh, to operate in a, in a geopolitical landmass. I think that you can probably have a, a, a bevy of governments working together in the same way that we have a bevy of uh, credit card companies and a bevy of insurance companies that all govern behavior of their of their uh, you know customers. But you or mean by consent? You mean but by they consent. govern the behavior through consent? I mean, yeah. you'd yeah. Hey, and and you know, to be in New Hampshire, there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I, I personally believe much more needs to be put on the state state rights, state levels of government. I agree. I think that secession less, is necessary. Federal, and because I, I feel different in New Hampshire than I do in Virginia, and I know I feel different to people in California. Probably I true. Mean, Good, good example, state of Massachusetts. They passed their own health care thing. What was it, 2006? Yeah, if yeah. look how that's working out for them. That, it's not working out good for them at all. No. Thanks, no, Jericho, for the call. We appreciate hearing from you tonight. You're right on the, the health care point there. And, and Jericho's, Jericho's points, what's interesting is you, you've got we're – at, we're at what some people might think is one end of a spectrum. You know, uh, and the founders, we talked about the right to exit, and, and they, they adhered very closely to the idea of make as many – they. We've been able to learn from their mistakes and some of their corruption from mm-hmm. that time. Uh, Alexander Hamilton was a corrupt guy. John Adams was leaning in that direction. Sam Adams was much more radical. He was on the Jeffersonian side. Madison, I think, learned his lesson later on. Um, but what's interesting is we've been able to see their mistakes, how the Constitution has not stopped this growth of government, how the words on paper didn't stop people from just overlooking those words on paper and doing mm-hmm. whatever the heck they wanted. And and you can have human forces that can cite that paper, but if there are more human forces that overlook it, then screw it. What's interesting is the founders did seem to recognize the concept of the right to exit. And they said, you know what? They weren't willing to go as far as we were. And even the anti-federalists, they, they wanted a much smaller confederation. Their idea was much healthier, I think, as far as having competing governments so that if you didn't like it, you could get away. And the larger the area of control, the less opportunity there is to take advantage of that right to exit, to get away. And so that's one of the principles that the founders at least understood. And I would be very, very willing to go back to that sort of a concept so we have these competing areas of government if I can't get to my ideal of no government at all. You know, I think that uh, I think that one of the things that really traps Americans into the uh, the mindset that, uh, oh, my God, we, we can't we, you, you can't talk about states having nullification rights or uh, seceding or declaring independence or anything like that is just the whole mindset that the USA is the best, this kind of. Uh, Oh, this, jingoistic this, nationalism! Yeah, <laughs> this Huge. kind of yay Red Sox kind of or, you know uh, you know thing. Yeah. Well, as as if you have anything to do with the government of the United States, as if uh, you know it running around the world and enforcing uh, its rules on other people so that its companies can uh, you know better compete in the marketplace, overrun the marketplace, as if that does anything for you and yours. And and the thing about that is, then they seem to have this intellectual disconnect when the nation nation citizens civilians get attacked by terrorists who don't like US foreign policy 
and they say, well, it has nothing to do with U.S. foreign policy. No, no. no. Who, could, who could disagree with that? Those are, those are innocent civilians. Well, you know, the foreigners don't look at those civilians as innocent because people keep saying, we are America. Mm. So That's you can't point. have it both ways. All the more reason to get the hell out of this concept known as the United States to abolish the idea in people's minds if I we think possibly can. Federal government's all over, honestly. I mean, I, I all don't want to cry. And you mean what's that? You mean it's all over, like no, in general? I, I don't think you should just single out the United States as a bad oh, government. Yeah. The all government, you know, the the coercive right. model of the it's state. Really, the only is one bad. I'm too concerned with, though, at this moment. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airway. Because the New Hampshire government, they don't have as many tanks. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice Brain Development and Juicy Juice Immunity Fruit Juice Beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gar. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, and those features include our archives. Go back for over a year. You can actually go all the way back to the beginning of 2009 in our podcast. It's free for you. At freetalklive.com. Now, would it surprise you to know that in the history of the drug war, that no one charged with felony dispensing of cannabis has ever taken it to trial? Well, I don't know about the rest of the country, but here in New Hampshire, Sovereign Curtis is going to do so, risking seven years in prison. And the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org wants to help Curtis win his case and possibly overturn the insane war on drugs. In order to do that, we need you to chip in to help Curtis and sign up for a monthly contribution at cdevolution.org. Also, there's a chip in there. If you're not ready to do a monthly contribution, you can just throw in uh, whatever you think is appropriate into the, uh, the the Curtis Legal Defense Fund chip-in, also at cdevolution.org. Last time I looked at it, which was uh, this morning, it was at 11%. So uh, we're getting, you know, it's, it's a good start. It's something. And so every, every little bit counts over at cdevolution.org. As we continue, we take your phone calls. Still to come, the FBI reporting that sovereign people are domestic terrorists. We'll see what they have to say. But first, it's Curtis in New Hampshire, or excuse me, Curtis in uh, Minnesota, actually. Curtis, you're on Free Talk Live. Curtis? Hi, uh, good afternoon, or good hey. evening. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I just got. I just need some clarification on on um, income tax, and this stems from a, a discussion I had uh, with somebody, and uh, I found out I was wrong. But I was under the assumption that that um, uh, income tax are basically for um, uh, consumers or, or residential non-corporate uh, income tax payers. Oh, I, I'm not a legal expert or a lawyer, and I don't know what their system says. Uh, the income tax isn't for me because I don't support the government. I don't know about all their rules right. and stuff like that because you can try whatever argument you want in front of them, and they will basically tell you this. They will say, that's frivolous, uh, you know, and you can't say that here. Okay. 
Well, you can even point to their own rules. They, they've all been, it's all been tried by the tax freedom advocates, people out there like Erwin Schiff, who's a man in his 80s who's actually sitting in jail right now, yep. um, and right. a number of other folks, Larkin Rose included. They have done the research. They have dug through the laws and the codes and the, the statutes and all that and the Internal Revenue Service Code and their rules and everything. And they've come up with some really great questions and some really great points about how the government's own rules say it's voluntary. But none of it works. Not, it doesn't. It, even if you believe you've got the ironclad uh, argument, this is the one. The, the man in the robe is going to reject what you have to say and call it frivolous and say that's oh, your interpretation. So really, it doesn't matter what the answer to, you, in my opinion, it does not matter what the answer to your right. questions uh, are on that on that topic. Well, I understand that. Um, my my question is is that I was under the assumption that. Um, all income taxes just basically go into a big black hole. In other words, it just pays off the interest on the debt. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I believe that is true. I have no way of confirming that. That's it what may, I've heard. It as may well. be that income taxes. I mean, I mean, sure. If you could tax uh, a, a group of people, if you could force them to uh, do what you want, I mean, you'd take their money and do what you wanted to do with it. It may be that uh, income tax is about the amount of uh, of the interest on the debt. It may be that it's more. It may be maybe that less. it's less. We've. That's what I have heard. We've heard that on this program. Uh, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Well, yeah. Well, I've heard it, and I've I've heard some people say that you know it, it just goes entirely to pay off the interest, and then the, the government borrows the rest, and they just keep piling the debt on us. Well, that's so that's definitely true. Good. They definitely keep borrowing and uh, and printing money and and piling up debt. But but again, how are they piling debt on you? Did, did you consent to that? Did you consent to be the uh, the creditor for for them? Oh, absolutely not. No, I'm kind of I have no choice. I have to uh, pay it or or suffer the uncertain consequences of that. That's well, a, that's a, that's the truth. That is definitely the truest statement so far in the in, you know in this conversation. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. uh, that uh, if you don't pay, there is a chance that they might do something about it. But it's only a chance, right? Well, I had, and there's also, by the way, know, the chance they'll do yeah. something to you even if you do pay. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I I totally understand uh, the uh, the situation. Um, in my research, or, I mean, I tried to dig into it, but I discovered that the amount. From the government sites that you're paying about that we're paying about five hundred or half a trillion a year on the interest payments, but that they're collecting about maybe a million or a trillion from just you know regular um, uh, income taxes, not including the corporate. So I was just trying to figure out you know who's right here. I mean, some people say this is what's going on here; mm. it's all going to the big black hole. Other people say no, no, that's not exactly true. And I just wonder what you guys had to know, had to had to say about that. I have no answers to that particular, yeah. uh, you know, th- that particular statement. But I did lo- find something that I found interesting. Maybe you can dig around on this one. Is mm-hmm. I saw on a uh, website called uh, I think it was uh, US Debt dot uh, or uh, Government Debt de- Clock. Yeah, Debt clock. clock. Yeah, Debt Clock dot US. That's it. Yeah, debt no, Clock dot US. US Debt Clock dot whatever. Something anyway, like find that. It. Um, and mm-hmm. they said that there were 109 million uh, filers uh, for uh, income tax and. I don't know if that means that there are 109 million people that pay income tax or 109 million 
uh, income tax forms that were filed. I can't answer that. Because a lot of those people right, could okay. be getting the earned income tax credit and are actually sucking money from other people. Well, yeah, they would be. They would yeah. be. Um, and there are 330 million people in the United States, and I don't know if that counts illegals or whatever, uh, but – you know, uh, so that means that about a third of them are actually filing income tax. And then if you read the story that came up recently, about a half of them are paying, actually paying because the other half don't pay income tax that file. They get an earn- income tax credit or money back and that kind of thing. So yeah. really only one sixth of the U.S. population uh, is paying income tax. And, you know, that's a sad little number that I was uh, that I was involved in, in at some point. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've got some information from TreasuryDirect.gov on uh, the expected interest for fiscal year 2010, and um, they go through it uh, from the rest for the rest of the year, March through. Let me see, only March through October, and it is an astronomical amount for the interest on the debt, and it, it's a number that I I don't even feel Does like repeating. Does it surpass the, so, the government's budget? It's. It seems to be, but I'm Is it more you know than what? three trillion. I, I, I have to look into this more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, hey, thanks for the call tonight, Curtis. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Mike in Florida. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. The Ian Gardner and Mark. Hey guys, good Mike. good evening. What's hey. on your mind tonight, Mike? Uh, I wanted to un- try and understand more about this voluntary society you guys keep talking about and how yeah. it works. Sure. It doesn't work. And yet. specifically, I wanted to try and understand how the use of force in a voluntary society would be could be justified, if at all. It's a great question. And I've kind of broken up the use of force into four categories. I've, I've broken it up into state on individual, which is what we're in now, and which I consider to be the police state. Mm-hmm. Individual on state, meaning, you know, kind of like domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Use of force of state on state, which is considered war. And then use of force of individual on individual, which would be crime. either like a crime or self-defense. Right. So you want to address the fourth one particularly. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly. We'll let you hang on and we'll bring you back. We'll talk about it. 800-259-9231. It's one of the uh, the trickier issues here. And we'll, uh, we'll enjoy Gardner's viewpoint uh, as another principal voluntarist in the room. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. How does the voluntary society deal with aggressive individuals? Free talk line. In the late 21st century, the hardiest, most daring adventurers have begun to colonize the solar system where untold mineral riches await them. Jealous of their wealth and fearful of their freedom, the government of Earth is determined to extend their power to this new frontier by any means necessary. Escape from Terra, an illustrated science fiction saga from Big Head Press. Read it online at escapefromterra.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. Dan Gard and Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. The Shrine of Female listeners is one of them. 
You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see the uh, ladies, dozens of them, that have sent us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. So uh, my son Jack was uh, reading one of his favorite books. It's called An Island Called Liberty Today, and he was going through it on uh, you know his little table. He's got a little toddler table that's about 12 inches off the ground. <laughs> and uh, he was kind of jabbering to himself as he, as he read it, and then he got to the page where the police officer's telling somebody, mm, scolding somebody for, the, for smoking. And he goes, oh, no. It was really funny. <laughs> um, if, if you want your child to get... An island called Liberty. All you have to do is go to freemarketunderdog.com because, well, our kids need to be educated about liberty as early as possible. Freemarketunderdog.com, an island called Liberty. All right, 800-259-9231. Right back into your phone calls. We go to Mike uh, in Florida. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live, and your question was in regards to the so-called voluntary society, as is often discussed on this program as a goal worthy of attaining. Uh, moving from the current coercive governmental society and structure to a uh, to one based in consent of uh, individuals. I love these questions because uh, I think uh, people do have worries about this sort of thing. And also, when you get into debates with people, they say, well, you're all opposed to government forcing people. How do you suppose you're going to have a voluntary society that will come up with the protection? And and how do you address people attacking each other? And and if it is going to protect people, isn't that some use of force? Is that legitimate inside your voluntary society? I think the answer, uh, and Mike, are you still with us? Yeah, my, 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 you know, specifically, my question is on, on crimes on individual against individual, because yeah. it seems you're obviously opposed to all three of the first that I discussed, state on individuals, uh, uh, individual against the state, and state versus state. Well, right, but because in, we're opposed the, the gray to the... Area, in my, sure. what I'm having trouble comprehending is, is in the area of, like, let's say, self-defense. Yeah, I got you. Obviously, you, you, you've, you know, you've said on the show that you agree that, the use of force is acceptable in cases such as self-defense. This is kind of a right. clear-cut Let's example. Let's lay down a couple of uh, points here uh, before we continue, and that is that you're right, uh, at least as far as guard myself, and I think Mark as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. But uh, the idea of the state is it's just a, a group of individuals, of course, using violence on people. So if we can end the legitimacy of the concept of the coercive state, you've ended all of the first three. You no longer have state on individual. You no longer have individual right. on state. You no longer have state on state because the concept of the state has been uh, delegitimized in the minds of the individual. So now we only have to deal with that one type of violence. So we've already wiped out a tremendous amount of violence and coercion from the world. I mean, this is an incredible step on its own. Then we have to figure out how the marketplace would deal with uh, individual and individual Right, and I think that what uh, people uh, are concerned with here is stability as the terminology goes. Um, when When you look around the world, people are concerned with stability. It doesn't matter that Governments around the world might execute a great deal of their citizens or whatever it is that they might do, as long as it's stable. And I think that, you know, to some extent that, you know, that that's a part of the issue that sort of needs to be overcome is that you know, we can create our own stability by taking our protection into our own hands and realizing that the state doesn't do that much in, along the lines of protection, I don't think, personally. And I think that uh, one of the key things to look at as we start to look at this final of the uh, options uh, is within the stateless society, as, as Ian brought up, uh, you have 
a question of what would the market produce? Can we start to imagine what the market would do to come up with stability within a non-government situation where force could legitimately be used, but on a voluntary basis? And the market does produce these sorts of reactions and uh, these sorts of systems. And uh, one of the one of the great things that I often bring up is uh, just as an example, before we get too far into it, is a lot of people question whether or not any of the answers we come up with would be possible. And just to let you know, the answer to that is always, in my in my opinion, is is always look at the existence of money because money came about before governments existed, and if people were not able to come up with their own social interactions and form their own market institutions, and the market is really just societal interaction without without government, um, then what you you wouldn't have money have, having existed. This, this exchange would have fallen apart because people would have preyed on each other too much. So they must have come up with something. What it was through history, you can see the British common law before they started to codify it, was a system of people working with other people and they started to come up with come up with their own rules in our hypothetical in our abstract idea of the stateless society we can say that there is an incentive for people to come up with their own rules on what would happen in xyz abc scenarios of force being used right ian I would say that's true, and in you know whatever those scenarios are, it's it's not likely you'd have some sort of one size fits all law that then a judge is being forced to uh, cram whoever the person is into a certain category or minimum sentence or whatever it is that the governmental strictures have a uh, have been applied to. But just to rewind a little bit, uh, the other things we have to look at is when we're getting to the voluntary society because the state is de- now delegitimized and no longer exists. Uh, that ends the war on drugs, which on its own will dramatically decrease the amount of violent crime and, and property crime against against individuals well, well, uh and well hold on, I hold think, on I think I, can, can i just can i just yeah. interject because i mean you're, you're throwing a lot of broad stuff at me here I'd, I'd like to try and focus on maybe one specific example let's let's just say we're in a voluntary society and somebody goes and murders another individual gotcha. obviously that is going to be a crime so then how in voluntary in the voluntary society how would the voluntary society then deal with that crime is yeah. there going to be well, a judge is there a judicial system That's a good question and is I, and I want to talk about police that police that investigate it I mean how do they right. determine if it was self defense yeah. He's or looking if you for the nuts and bolts not the uh, the theoretical stuff but the other thing to point out is that murders and other violent crimes would also be lessened as I mentioned because of ending the the government's war on drugs Yeah I got that they're lessened and, I get it but and and because people would be able to defend themselves uh, as well. So self-defense would be legal, and so therefore well, it'd be less likely... let self-defense, for example. Obviously, there's degrees of self-defense. I mean, you can't expect that it would be justified to shoot someone for maybe hitting you with a with a garden hose. Clearly, clearly. And that's so when arbitration there's, there's comes into... There's got to be some sort right. of level that's, and of that is when, where uh, self-defense becomes... You are correct. And in, that is why arbitration comes into uh, to play here. Arbitration is the answer to the question exactly that it. you're looking for. You replace the one-size-fits-all government judicial system, which in no way is doing anything uh, that resembles justice in general, with competing systems of arbitrators that uh, parties are able 
able to choose which arbitrator they use based on you know a variety of factors that the marketplace uh, would be demanding. But of course, you would uh, inevitably point out that the aggressor, whoever it is the murderer allegedly is, would not be so interested necessarily in submitting himself voluntarily uh, to arbitration. Unless, of course, you know, he didn't do it, in which case he probably would be interested in, de- in defending himself. But we're, let's deal with the question of the, the, uh, the reticent individual who just, I don't want to go to your arbitration. Okay, well, if that's the case and you are, you know, if, you, if you're not an upstanding member of society, because uh, upstanding people would likely want to go to arbitration to, you know, protect their reputations because reputations will be very valuable in the, uh, the free marketplace. Uh, the individual who is not consenting to this, if you have evidence that this is the person who committed the crime, and this is the most important part, I think, of this discussion, is if you've got evidence that this person did the crime, then they violated their own rights by violating somebody else. They've given up their own rights, if you will, by violating somebody else's. And I think you're fully within your purview to have some sort of bounty hunter or whatever protection agency bring that person into uh, some kind of custody and and subject them to uh, to some sort of arbitration. And Ian, just before the break, I know we're, we're heading to the break, but this what Ian is talking about right now is just one example. And the Only best one, thing to do yeah. is to look at insurance companies to look at if we're talking about this you're already thinking about hypotheticals of what could happen in the stateless society and there'll be multiple people thinking about the same thing coming up with their own arrangements we're going to come back here with more we'll hang on to you here mike to continue the discussion this is free talk lot have you been thinking about starting a website i'm going to tell you about a great offer from hostgator HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And that's freetalklive.com, and if you want to help support this program, you can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, so start your shopping over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, LumithinPlus.com. If you've uh, tried losing weight other ways and you just can't stick to diets and you're not interested in doing workouts and you can't handle pills that make you all jittery, Lumithin Plus works for me. I think it'll work for you. Uh, give it a shot. It's LumaThinPlus.com. It's been priced so that you can uh, you can do it for less than a dollar a day, and uh, that's that's pretty good. You take one pill in the uh, the morning time, one pill in the afternoon, and it suppresses your appetite and. You know, that's what it's all about, reducing calorie intake, LumathinPlus.com. We're talking with Mike in Florida, who I believe is still with us. Mike, are you there? Yes. 
Okay, great. And we're talking about an issue that I think is re- is really important. So I'm glad you brought it up, and that's why we've gone through here, and we're uh, we're on our second full segment now uh, of uh, of discussing this, and that is the question of well, in this you know uh, th- this ideal voluntary society, which by the way is not a utopia. Uh, it's just uh, it will dramatically lessen the violence and coercion uh, that we experience in society. But in this uh, voluntary consent based society, what if people still hurt each other? And I think it's inevitable that there will still be human on human conflicts of, of various different levels of severity. And so that's where the competitive arbitration system comes into play. And as I was explaining earlier in the incident where somebody murders somebody else, which is probably the worst thing that can possibly happen uh, to another individual, then – and and by the way, what I'm suggesting here is only, as you mentioned, Gardner, one possible option. There are some people that would say, well, it's inappropriate for the protection agency to send a bounty hunter to arrest that person even if they know that that he did it. Some people would make that argument and that they would would rest all upon uh, ostracism and uh, ostracism and essentially you know not not allowing exclusion a person to of, yeah of excluding that actors. person and destroying their I mean reputation. isn't a bounty hunter bound by less rules than say a law enforcement officer if you've I mean, got see, here's the thing here's the you can come see, here's, up the, with authority. here's the thing you're you're missing is that and it's a very important point to make is that in the voluntary society, the various different protection agencies and bounty hunters and etc. that would be out rounding up criminals exactly. would actually be liable for mistakes. They would have so, to respond to consumer but, okay, interest. Okay, so too. let me stop you there. But liable to whom? In, liable in to what? the person they aggress against. Are we talking about a court system? Okay, can I just? Uh, I just. Yeah. I just want to mention a couple things. I, I think. What we're doing here is you're concentrating on a number of specifics, which is which is very good as an intellectual exercise. That's interesting, and it and it 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 takes you in a lot of very different hypothetical directions. The key here, just to answer your your question about the bounty hunters and so on, is this: police protection system, bounty hunter systems would not be able to survive if they did not respond to consumer demand. The consumer demand would be predicated on what works best for these individuals as they decide to enter, if we're dealing with a hypothetical, the stateless society. The decision to enter the stateless society brings with it a number of connotations, such as one does when he enters into buying an insurance policy. The very fact that we're discussing these hypotheticals and coming up with these questions now, this is something that anyone entering the stateless society would start to do. And those stateless societies would formulate their own rules and respond to the consumer demand better than the state can respond to consumer demand. The protection agencies respond. And one more point is that these, these stateless societies would come up with rules a priori. And they let's would explore. Just, let's, just, let's just take that example, though, of like reputation uh, being the driving force of keep you know keeping these people in business. Invariably, some of these bounty hunters would develop the reputation of being you know badass or you know inflicting severe justice. And I'm sure some people would want to hire them you know to get good revenge. Let's say they murdered somebody, and this this bounty hunter developed the reputation of you know torturing his victims before bringing them in and you said oh i want that guy but others get might really get reputations others might get reputations of torturing innocent people i you guess see it works both it, ways i guess what i guess what you're talking it, about there let me would, just ask this in the voluntary society is there a judicial system that regulates like this type of behavior and when you say they're liable 
Liable to whom? I liable mean, to the where, victim. How do you bring them in for justice? I mean, how do you hold them liable? Here's, here's, okay, uh, let me give you an example real quick. Let me give you a quick example. Let's say these guys are entering business, right? You've got pro- police protection agencies, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're already talking about these questions. So would you approach one of these companies unless they had something set up whereby they connected with an arbitration system and they said, we will deal with these guys, and if we don't, we voluntarily agree to have this happen to us, we will pay out well, this, pay out that? Well, don't you think, though, that the the person who's doing the hiring, they're going to be being favored by that agency? I mean, obviously, sure, sure. the other okay, person's well, going to go hire another independent. Right. You it, need some sort of a neutral absolutely. third party. That's that what the arbitrators in, are. The arbitrators are neutral uh, third parties. But and, they really can't be neutral if somebody's paying them. If you're paying right. them, then they're on your side, what you, aren't No, they? no. You see, what you're missing here, and if you just let me for a moment here, I'll explain. Yeah. Uh, the arbitrator can only be used if both parties agree to it. So if both parties are agreeing, then both parties are willing to pay the arbitrator. The only party that ends up paying is the party but who then loses. But how does justice get served if no parties ever agree, which in my personal yeah, here's opinion, your answer I to don't that. think would here's happen your very answer. often. Do you want the answer? Here it is. If, uh, t- if you've got two parties who can't agree on an arbitrator, then each party selects its own arbitrator, and the two arbitrators then agree, usually be- via pre-existing agreements between the, uh, the companies, as to which arbitrator they will use to arbitrate. Now, that triples the cost of the arbitration, so it's in the uh, both parties' financial interest to pick an arbitrator they agree on. And yes. it shouldn't be that hard, because in many cases, people will have existing agreements and that sort of thing, and these arbitrators will have reputation in the marketplace, and they'll have reputation as fair arbitrators that people are comfortable uh, with, uh, with going to. Now, Mike, I'd yeah. like to take this on... Uh, listen, guys, I mean, I'm sorry, I know I'm on a, I'm on a tight time budget here, so... I mean, I just personally think that that's going to lead to a more, more chaotic society, which personally I'm okay with because I believe that stability well, is usually on one side of the scale and liberties on the other. I, I just, I just think it's going to lead to more violence. Mike, and personally, um, I'm okay with that. Let me just ask you this: though. Oh God, wait, wait, please, Mike, 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 I haven't pull it. had, I pull haven't it. had a chance to address that this at all, Mike, and I really want to. First off, you're talking about the 1%. I mean, you know, at, at the point where we've taken 99% of the government peel off of the onion, we're talking about this 1% at the very end. This is uh, like like us talking about what it's going to be like when we have Star Trek transporters and replicators and, and life looks like Star Wars or whatever, okay? So, uh, well, we're, that's why he called in. He wants right, to right, talk right. about but this. We're, we're sugge- you're talking about these things. So, so these are, you know, um, Australopithecus man talking about 747s. And we can speculate all we want but for you to say well i don't believe well yeah okay how interesting the marketplace will figure those things out when that time comes what my goal now is to peacefully peel the size of government down to that to that point i don't think you and i are going to be dealing with this particular problem mike do you well no probably not but maybe they maybe we will and so it's still important to talk about it and one of the questions that you asked a couple times and i don't think you got a a straight answer from anybody yet was well well who's going to be how are they going to be liable uh, for when they make a mistake and it's because they want to protect their reputation that they'll be very cautious in who they pick up for criminal acts if they pick up somebody that is not the guilty party then they'll be fully liable for kidnapping that person against their their full rights to be a free individual and that will cost them dearly not only in money and that they'd have to pay out and, and make good to the person that they went after but also in their reputation and that people may not want to hire a company that makes mistakes and ends up having to pay out their insurance companies aren't going to 
don't want to back their policies anymore and th- that, uh, you know, they're ensuring them to make the right decisions. And you compare that against the police who, when they make a mistake, you end up going to jail for however many years. And then if they happen to catch that they made a mistake, it's, oh, we're sorry. And they let you out. And there's there's usually no money that goes along with it. There's no incentive on the, uh, the part of the, the government monopoly to uh, to not make mistakes. And uh, and in the in the mo- in the voluntary society, the incentives will be there for these right. companies to make sure they get the right person. Otherwise, they're in trouble. And we already see in the marketplace today that reputation is the most important thing for businesses. Businesses rely on making a good name for themselves. The vast majority of people buying products and the vast majority of people selling products and services rely on good word of mouth and good advertising for themselves. And the same sort of thing would operate in any sort of private, non-state justice system. It's the same sort of thing. If we know that today in the marketplace we have incentives to go to the good guys and the bad guys go out of business, the same thing happens in any service we're asking for for protection and justice. Mike, I recommend the, uh, The Market for Liberty. It's a great book that really gets into detail and some of the nuts and bolts on how the voluntary society might work when it comes to justice. And again, we're still kind of speculating on what might happen. As Mark said, we don't really know exactly how the marketplace would arrange itself. I thank you for the call, Mike. Appreciate the discussion. It's a, it's a useful one. Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson. Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got different ways for you to listen in live streams, broadband version, and dial up version of the show, plus webcam, listen lines, which allow you to listen in via any phone that can dial long distance. Go and get all the details, get tuned in for free over at listen.freetalklive.com. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including FSPs, SFPs, GPICs, XFPs, ZenPaks, and X2s. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. They're in stock and ready to ship. Via overnight delivery, MemoryDealers.com. They have other things over there besides optical transceivers, too. Go check it out, MemoryDealers.com. All right, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. We go to your phone calls about anything. Nick is in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. been a while since I called you. Nick, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I don't know. Probably don't even keep track. Um, So I I bet you guys are looking for a positive story, right? Like positive things, sure. Well, you're going to have to look elsewhere because I don't have one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sucker. I have a very depressing, horrible, shocking, and outrageous story for you instead. Um, I got this off of Facebook. Um, it's only four paragraphs, so it shouldn't be too long. Um, the title reads, 
Elderly gay people, forced, uh, couple forcibly separated, abused, and robbed by county officials in California. Did you guys hear about this? Oh, my yes. gosh, no. What, what happened? Um, Clay and his partner of 20 years, Harold, lived in California. Clay and Harold made diligent efforts to protect their legal rights and have their legal pay- place, paperwork in place. Wills, power of attorney, and medical directives all naming each other. Harold was 88 years old and in frail medical condition, but still living at home with Clay. 77 was in good health. One evening, Harold fell down the front steps of their home and was taken to the hospital. Based on their medical directives alone, Clay should have been consulted in Harold's care from the first moment. Tragically, county and health care workers instead refused to allow Clay to see Harold in the hospital. Mm. The county then ultimately went one step further by isolating the couple from each other, placing the men in separate nursing homes. Ignoring Clay's significant role in Harold's life, the county continued to treat Harold like he had no family and went to court seeking the power to make financial decisions on his behalf. Oh my Outrageously, the county represented, uh, represented to the judge that Clay was merely Harold's roommate. The court denied their efforts, but did grant the county limited access to one of Harold's bank accounts to pay for his care. What happened next is even more chilling. Without authority, without determining the value of Clay and Harold's possessions, accumulated over the course of their 20 years together or making any effort to determine what items belonged to whom, the county took everything Harold and Clay owned and auctioned oh, off all their belongings. Adding okay. further insult to grave injury, the county removed Clay from his home and confined him to a nursing home against his will. The county workers then terminated Clay and Harold's lease and surrendered the home they had shared for many years. So basically what I've understood so far was you've got two elderly gentlemen who are gay. One of them was kind of being taken care of by the other. One, the one who was doing the taking care of, uh, became uh, he f- took a fall and that made it so he couldn't take care of his uh, his his lover, basically. And uh, and so therefore the government separated them, prevented them from in any way being able to consent to one another. Uh, and, and I presume they had what out in California isn't it legal I, to have a, a gay marriage? I, it it was. Not, oh, they turned that over. Not. Yeah, the uh, with the election of Barack Obama, they uh, managed to get lots of. Uh, uh, basically, the black vote came out. The black vote has tendency to be uh, tends to be sort of socially uh, conservative. I do actually have – there's just one small yeah. paragraph left, if it's all right. Go ahead. Okay. Um, three months after he was hospitalized, Harold died in the nursing home. Because of the country's the county's actions, Clay missed the final months he should have had with his partner in 20 years. Compounding this tragedy, Clay had literally nothing left of the home he had shared with Harold or the life he was living up until the day that Harold fell because he was able, unable to recover any of his property. That's amazing. What, what city was this? Uh, it was California, uh, and it was in uh, San – Let's see. It was Any town USA. Doesn't yeah, I matter. guess it doesn't really matter. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's not too important, but I, I, I know it's it's probably on here. Well, now, you know, this, this sort of ties in with this executive order thing that Barack Obama did last week on allowing visitation rights in the hospital for, uh, for gay couples. And uh, it's any hospital that accepts any patients that are getting uh, federal yeah. federal funds it's, uh, and so on. It's on a, it's Sonoma County, I think. Sonoma, Sonoma County. County. Yeah, sure, sure. Where all the grapes and the wine wineries are and stuff. Um, you know, it, it's it's truly remarkable. Again, you know, we were talking a little bit before in the earlier segment about private private communities and and um, non government societies. And clearly, the way we're reacting and the way so many other people are reacting, if we were in a private society, I mean, it's not perfect, but clearly, we would have other sorts of arrangements. That would not have the same sorts of burdens uh, that and and restrictions that these types of government 
policies have, and they're constantly fluctuating with government. Well, these guys' contracts that they signed would have would have force, absolutely, um, rather than uh, the, the law, uh, you know, or or the government um, in this case, because it really wasn't the law; it was just the government saying, "Ah, eh, screw that." Yeah. Um, it, you know, there's just the government over overarching that, and and currently, you know, contract really doesn't mean anything when the government decides to get involved. No, and no. don't you think hospitals would want to serve their customers by? You know, finding out who the the person is that uh, is responsible for making such decisions and and helping in the well, situation. Well, sure. cu- currently, the the who the government who the hospitals serve is the government. The government because yeah. if they don't, they will have every license that they have taken away. So they have to serve the government. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. Nick, Boy, thanks it's... for the call tonight. Appreciate no hearing problem. from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one two Dino in Japan. Dino, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Garden Mark. Dino, Japan. Going once, Dino in Japan. Going twice. It's just a long lag. Japanese hit us, man. Let's <laughs> talk to Alex in New Hampshire instead on the amp line. Hello, Alex. Hey guys. Hey, hey what's Alex. on your mind tonight? I was uh, traveling to another class uh, during the day, and I saw in front of one of the buildings there was a black coffin nailed to a tree, Whoa. and on that coffin it was uh, a message was painted on there. It read, "What if you were collateral damage?" Mm. Oh wow! And I thought that that was very powerful. Uh, I talked to some other people, and they said that they disregarded it as a piece of trash. But uh, I don't think it's a piece of trash. I think it uh, has a powerful message. And uh, I wanted to tell the listeners about um, that kind of, um, not civil disobedience, but that kind of um, way of... Yeah, that way of getting your message out there, because uh, I think it's very powerful. And uh, I think that if you want to uh, spread that message in your hometown, uh, that might be a good way to go. And I think a, a follow-up, a, a lot of times it depends on whether or not you think aesthetically this works, but you have to assume that some people are going to reject it out of hand and just say, oh, this is just a knee-jerk thing. If you can add something to it, like you know, something to the effect of, what happens when his relatives find out this came from America? You know, the death was caused by Americans. You know, this this right. sort of thing, if you can get that second oomph in there in a conversation or a piece of art or something like that, uh, it, it really serves, I think, to make them think about like, oh, well, um, you know, it makes them think a little bit more because then it puts it back on them to say, hey, you know, you're putting yourself at risk by by killing these people. If they're if they're right. you know so self centered they won't even think about innocent civilians in Afghanistan you know, and it plants seeds in their mind too, which is uh, ultimately uh, what you'd want to do. Yeah, uh, I think art is is pretty important. I don't know how many sculptors uh, we have up here right now, but I think that's a fine idea. We certainly have one guy that uh, writes some really great songs, and people have begun to sing those. So uh, I think music is in production as we speak, uh, liberty oriented music, that kind of thing, and that's that's I think to some extent what you're talking about. And it wasn't, like, too elaborate. It was just, like, the front of a coffin, yeah. uh, just a couple sides, and painted black with some words on it. But uh, the message is definitely very powerful. I, I also have a parable a for you, uh, if you've got time. A parable? Yeah. Okay. Like, just something that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was talking with one of the uh, teaching assistants, and uh, I was complaining about, like, a pain in my ankle. And she said, oh, well, why don't you just go to UNH Health Services? And I said I didn't really want to do that because uh, they're not very good and it wasn't really that big of a deal. And she said, why? Do you have insurance? And I go, yeah. She said, oh, then go. It's free. <laughs> and I immediately went on, like, not a tirade, but I, I, had, I staged a free market intervention to uh, <laughs> teach her 
a little bit about free market. I want to hear how this went. Hang on, Alex, your free market intervention here to the government. Or I guess not, she's not government. Well, it's a university, so who knows who's paying her paycheck. To the university lady. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. From the last margins of the land of Big Brother comes a new pro-freedom website. The UK Libertarian rails against the country's ridiculous regulation. It's crumbling National Health Service. It's disintegrating government schools and the political parasites leeching more of our freedom every single day. Visit us at www.theuklibertarian.com. Talk live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you, and Gar, and Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, and they include our news updates. You can get signed up and get the latest about Free Talk Live delivered to you in the way that you would prefer, whether it be email, Facebook, or Twitter. We've got all three. Go to news.freetalklive.com and get signed up. It's all free, of course. That's news.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking question. Why would something that is so good for us, like government education, need to be imposed on us with the use of force and funded by the use of force? Maybe something else is going on. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education. You can visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. Dot com as we go back to Alex in New Hampshire. Uh, Alex, you're currently in college, and you were having, I guess, a pain, a little bit of pain in your ankle. You were talking to somebody at the college about this. Uh, she suggests, what's, what was her position? Uh, she's just a teaching assistant for a biology laboratory. So she's just another student who's getting uh, like credit or, or getting paid to, to be a grad a... student. Gotcha. Oh. So, so, so she says, why don't you go to the clinic at the the college clinic? And you were disinclined from that. She said, well, do you have insurance? You said yes. So she said, well, why not go? It's free. And what what was it that you you said to her? I immediately got on my toes and I said, no, there's no such thing as a free lunch ever. And uh, I went on and explained how um, someone along the line pays for it. And what was nice was that she was very receptive. Um, despite being from communist China, she uh, did hear what I have to, had to say, and she, uh, she didn't put me down uh, for, for the ideas, uh, just saying how, that there's a difference between insurance and health care, a very distinct difference. And most likely, if we didn't have the insurance, the cost wouldn't be so high in the first place because, I mean, you don't have food insurance. So, and it was, it was very brief, but uh, I'm, I'm really, she, uh, she was very uh, attentive, and she did like uh, the ideas generally. So uh, I, was, I think I made some progress with her. That's good, but, especially uh, if she's in, in biomed right now. She's probably getting into the healthcare field. So maybe if you can get one more clear-minded person in that field, she'll be able to fight what's coming. Right, right. But, uh, so, yeah. you know, it, I think that, uh, you know, it's a good start, but I've still got a huge population to go, one by one. There you go. That's got to change hearts and minds. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. We're going to try Dino again in Japan. Dino, are you with us? Yeah, I think so. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. What's on your mind tonight? That's good. 
Uh, I'd like to uh, present to you a very real scenario. I'm almost sure you've thought about it uh, before. It's come, I'm sure it's crossed your mind. Uh, but let me set it up for you first. Um, well, as we know, um, this government is probably within its last throes. Uh, they're, they're taxing the people out of, out of their existence, and basically uh, they have no money. They're, they're getting ready to crash. Even they are saying that. Uh, behind, you know, behind closed doors. But um, the scenario goes like this. In fact, the fact is that uh, the Free State Project and Free Staters are up there. They are um, making um, some headway, and they're definitely making headlines as well in the news. I've been following you on Ridley Report and Free, uh, Free Keen. Um, well, our own websites well. don't count as making headlines. <laughs> Well, um, well, but we do get headlines. Because they're making inroads. We have made and, headlines. Uh, we, we, my, to my be fair, we have had front-page newspaper articles, and uh, Cannabis Culture just did a tremendously lengthy uh, article about us. But uh, and anyway, go ahead. Go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, my question is simply, um, and I'm sure you've thought about it. Um, the federal government, let's say the the terrorists and the thugs up there that are walking around with guns and badges, who are grabbing free staters and throwing them in cages and locking them down. What's, what is your um, – how do you see the outcome if the federal government um, partners up with the locals in the state just to smash – the Free Staters and the Free State Project. I don't know. I'm not scared. I yeah, don't really care. I, I look forward to the opportunity if if what the because the Free Staters, uh, as as I see it, all of them are completely nonviolent. So if the state wants to step in and go the ones after, I hang out with, yeah, go after yeah. a, a nonviolent people for protesting or whatever or running for office or whatever it is that they want to do i think that the people of america need to see that because i think that's a step up in the police state from where we are i mean yeah they want they don't want protesters around they'll, they'll say oh you haven't got a permit get off the sidewalk kid um that kind of thing but uh, you know with with enough people they aren't willing to do that so um i i want them to let you know let let's see what happens if the government decides to step up the violence against a non-violent group of people how did it go and yeah. sell my alabama for them when they did that crap that's that's a great point right there but my perspective on it and i agree with that uh but my perspective generally is that if i were afraid of the federal government i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing mm. and they give you all kinds of reasons to be afraid and I'll be I'll admit I'm the first person to admit that I still think about what might happen. And I wish I didn't. I wish it it it, it is uh it's poisonous to me. I, I don't like it when those thoughts come and so I do my best to shift uh, my thinking into more positive areas and, and thinking about what I want to accomplish and rather than worrying or being concerned with what uh, they might do to me because they could do whatever they want to do and they can do it whenever they want. To me, so they could come through, crashing through my front door right now, and and haul me away, and they could do it, and they could get away with it, and it'd be fully legal, whatever it is that they ended up doing. Sure, they make a, they make up their own laws generally. So, so if I were worried about whatever the consequences would be, and that would be probably one of the worst ones, being dragged away and thrown into some brig, and you know, released whenever they feel like it. Uh, that would be one of the worst ones. But if I were worried about that, then I would just have a nice, meek job 
doing whatever, you know, computer repair or whatever it would have been that I would have done uh, had I not gotten into uh, doing talk radio. I could just have a nice, meek little job and I could take my paychecks home every week and lose, you know, 50% of my money to the government uh, during the year. And I could, you know, just pay my bills and quietly play my video games and and live out my life. But for me, that's not a life I want to live. I want to be free and I'm willing to put it all on. I'm willing to put it all on the line, not all at once, not, you know, necessarily all at once, but enough of it. I'm willing to put it. Enough on the line to take a significant risk uh, to uh, hopefully in- encourage others to take risk as well, because I feel like uh, if we, if you want to be free, that is, and I think there are some people out there listening that do. Maybe you're one of them, Dino. Uh, I think that risk is going to be a requirement. Yeah. I don't think that you're going to be able to just be uh, be begging the politicians and have them just oh you know, these people want to be free well here you go you can have your freedom now I think it's going to are here to serve after all I think it's going to take <laughs> some risk and I think that risk means that something could happen but at the other on the other hand risk also means that the reward depending on the the greatness of the risk and can also be equally as uh, as great and for me uh it's worth it to take that risk because i want the life that could be i want the life that should be and if i sit back and shut up and stick my head into the ground and pretend that nothing uh nothing bad is happening or maybe not pretend it but just refuse to acknowledge that i could do something to change it then that would be just pathetic and uh, i would not want to live that life i wonder what you think on the other end if you obviously you've been thinking about this and and you must have some hypotheticals we're all imaginative people i'm sure and uh you, you must think about it yourself and you know it, sure. yeah and hopefully violence is the sort of thing that you obviously try to stay away from but the non-violent uh, approach can really gain some some ground do you know did i answer your do we answer your question hey guys as usual great answer point well taken and I thank you very much. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. And I don't think everybody needs to risk everything. If we just get people together who are willing to risk something together, I think we can have a tremendous effect. More coming up. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. Got a lot of features there. We give them away. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support this program, you can go to promote.freetalklive.com. Get a whole list of things that you can do. To help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world, go to promote.freetalklive.com. Now, we've been talking about, off and on, we mentioned the Free State Project a couple times tonight. And I was just talking about a few moments ago how uh, there, that risk, I think, is necessary. Some level of risk is necessary in order to achieve a, uh, a more voluntary society, to, to, uh, to pull away the veil of legitimacy from the gang of people calling themselves the government. It's going to take risk. And that means that uh, there may be people that end up getting put in jail cells and that kind of thing. 
But you don't have to necessarily be the person that takes that much risk. If people get together and they take risk a little bit each on, if they take a little bit of risk upon each other, uh, everyone does that, then that adds up to a significant amount of risk in aggregate. And so you don't have to go all the way and be full 100% non-cooperation or, or anything like that. You can just do it here and do it there and try it out and see how it works. And we're starting to see that happen with uh, some of the activists coming here to New Hampshire and getting active in the world of civil disobedience and non-cooperation. Of course, there's still a whole list of political things going on here as well. You can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the Free State Project. Your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime is with other people. Because you can take on all the risk all by yourself in wherever it is that you are, and that'll get you nowhere. But if you're together with other people who are going to back you up, people who care about you, who are going to you know, write you if you do get put into the jail cell and let you know that you're not forgotten. And show up at your court events. Show up at the court. Whatever. I don't want letters while I'm in jail. Thanks. Support you. And <laughs> you'll want them while you're in jail. Let me tell you. I was if in you jail. you can get them. Letters aren't that great. You, you, you would rather not have any letters come to you? I'm telling you that I think that I'd, I, there's a lot of other things that the Free State Project offers besides letters to you while you're in jail, dude. Yeah, but I was talking specifically about taking risk and civil disobedience, and jail's a realistic uh, consequence for anybody that's going to take risk. So if you're going to be put in jail, Mark, would you prefer to have letters or no letters at all? Um, I, I, you know, you know, write me letters, but um, okay, I think good. that uh, more than likely what you're dealing with is uh, you know, people currently is people that want to go to jail and that have a decision. Oh, I don't want to go to jail, but I want to be free. And I realize that going to jail may ex- exact may actually end up being the path to more liberty. It is a sacrifice, you know. You I consider it an investment personally, because and sacrifice presumes that you're giving up value that's, and that's that getting point. nothing in return. That's a very good point. You know, we all are giving up something for something else that we are looking towards building. And 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 I really like what you what you had to say a little bit earlier to Dino because uh, we're all making decisions. You know, maybe. Uh, one member of the Free State Project could go into a certain line of work. He'd make a lot more money, but he wouldn't mm-hmm. have the opportunities to fight for freedom that he's doing. We've or, seen people give up careers in the yes. lucrative corporate world. Dale's one of them. Yes. Uh, to come here, our, our co-host Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com, gave up a lucrative corporate career to come here and, and make his own way, uh, doing his own thing, and he's having a blast so far. FreeStateProject.org. Let's go to Scott listening to Ithaca's WNYY. Hello, hey. Scott. Hey, how's it going? What's on your mind tonight? Well, hopefully, I just want to see how long it's going to take for you to like start attacking me or raising your voice or whatever. But well, Scott, before before we get into be two Scott, seconds, guards already Scott, on you, Scott. Before we get into that, this isn't, this isn't Scott, this Actually, isn't Scott. This isn't Scott. 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 This isn't an attack. Yeah. I just want to say Ithaca okay. is a beautiful, beautiful area. That's all I have to tell you. I was there. It's beautiful. I love it. Okay. Anyway, now we'll go get ahead to the, to the battle. It just takes 10 years to make a decision in the, in the city government here, but yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> area. Um, no, I, I understand what you guys are saying, and if you hear me out, I'm, I'm actually I'm running for a government office, but I'm not going to talk about that. But I'm basically, the government is really messed up in a lot of different ways. My own personal choice is to try to become part of it and do it in a much different way than nobody else is trying to do. But the other thing is, you can you can say, okay, I'm going to do civil disobedience. In some cases, I mean, like, let's say a guy who's working for a store, and he's a clerk or whatever, and he decides, I'm not going to pay my taxes. You know, I'm just going to, you know, decide Heroic. not to do that. If I do that, I'm actually a surgeon. So if I do that, I will lose my license. They actually mm. will come after me, yeah, and the government bummer. will say, I will lose my livelihood. 
Yeah, and that's a, a bummer. That's why I say not everybody can not everybody can take the same kind of risks. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, Wesley Snipes went to jail. Big deal. He's like a multimillionaire. I don't think he did. No, I think he never they, did. They actually dropped the charges on him, but they made a big hullabaloo out of him in, in the process. I mean, it, well, not dropped, but I, I guess I they, think had, they dropped most of his charges. I yeah, think they, they, they gave him some him. little petty thing, and and so but no, yeah. he didn't go to jail. But no go jail on. Time. I'm sure it took some expensive lawyering. Point taken. To get to that point. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's a different way, and I and I, again, I don't really mean to spiel or go into like a whole campaign thing, but if 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 people start running for government that have no connection with any lobby money, and I mean not, I'm not just talking, Barack Obama ran saying he didn't have any lobby money, but what's the difference between taking ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 from individual employees of certain sort of bad boy sectors like Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, insurance companies, banks, whatever, versus taking the actual PAC money donation i do, i personally don't see the difference it seems like so, deck chairs on well, the I'm titanic to, to me so i would agree with you uh, on that point and i also agree that people in your position uh, in uh, positions of relative import that have uh, worked very hard in order to achieve a, a certain uh, permission slip that could be pulled away by the government i don't blame any of them for yeah, not i taking... don't want surgeons giving up their uh, their, their their license to practice medicine uh, because they're the, my, you're the, the, some... my surgical practice no, somebody if, in if your this, role if this works, I'm giving up my surgical practice, yeah. which is much more lucrative. No, I totally understand that. Chances are very good if you're any good. Scott, if, if you're any good, if you're going to be any good in office, the chances are yeah. very bad of you getting elected. Well, okay, but right, as an aside, right, as right. an aside, no, I don't think I ever suggested that uh, everybody put their careers on the line. I said that if everybody takes a little bit of risk, then uh, we can have some significant reward. And so, uh, so I don't think that that's right. I don't think civil disobedience is right for everybody. I think that's why we have, for instance, the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org that allow people who are making a bunch of money, uh, like surgeons, uh, to uh, to donate to support right. people who do have the ability to do civil disobedience who may not have all of those responsibilities and may have the the ability to go and spend some time in a jail cell for doing disobedience to back them up financially so their loved ones can be more comfortable or their cat can be fed or they can right. have their rent paid while they're not there so there's a role for everybody in uh, in moving toward freedom and there's a role I think for people that want to do politics it's uh, it's and, a little and bit... one 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 area like that you guys talk about that I would say, it gives an example. You know, you have to be really careful about blanketing saying all government is bad. And I'll give you, I'll just give you one short example. All, all coercive so, government is bad. Although, although this isn't, this isn't, this is a volunteer kind of thing. I had a, I had a boiler go out in my house and I, I'm telling you the noise and what the effect was, it, it, it really was almost as if the house was going to explode. We actually, the, the boiler was actually ready to explode. It got That's scary. Pressures and temperatures. So who did I call? I called, in this area, it's a local volunteer fire department. They came in, they got the job done, and they are, they're part of the government here. And they actually saved my ass. Yeah, but see, the, the point that we try to make is this. It's, it's not that government as it exists now, doesn't allow people to gain some benefits from it. You know, this goes back to the and, – and with yours, it's a bit of a mixed bag because it's a voluntary government, government voluntary fire fire department, but they probably do have to pass bond issues to get the fire trucks and so on that they use, right. so that's paid for through taxes, right? But the key thing here is it's not that – it's not that that, that – 
necessarily is going to do bad things to you or to other people that it's set about to help. I mean, it could save some people's lives. Right. Certainly. It's the, what but, it's saying is is that, um, well, we we have to have the big dig because without the big dig, there but, would be no tunnels underground. But, but, there would yeah. be no paved road. And that's not true. What you're, what, well, I mean, simply what you're saying is because we have the big dig and because government is a coercive operation and because there's no other options, we the government paves the roads currently. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way yeah, it can the be fired, done. The firefighting can be done privately and at less expense without forcing some people to pay for it, and you'd get a better system, a more responsive system. Right. Not all government products and services are completely valueless. It's just that they'd be better in the voluntary system where they're funded consensually rather than based on the threat of force. Thank you, Scott, for the call tonight. There's more coming up. Enough time, perhaps, for your call if you make it now. Free Talk Live. Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. This is Free Talk Live. There are only moments remaining here, but enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. Gart, I would invite people to visit your website, but that's not really a good idea right now. <laughs> yes, right now the uh, I got on there today to do some management at LibertyConspiracy.com. LibertyConspiracy.com. And, Maybe uh, it'll be up tomorrow. When, and I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's something the, the host had uh, evidently has had his credit card stolen, mm-hmm. and so the, um, the, the everything's on in stasis right now until all that gets worked out but can people still find your uh podcast yes. over at Podbean? Is it? it's Pod- podomatic podomatic and look for liberty conspiracy also at itunes and uh there should be a link at my facebook lg grande lg grande with a space l space g space grande and they can find it over there thank you for letting me mention so it. that way they can still get their hands on and their ears on your audio even yeah. if liberty conspiracy.com good one down. today too good one today all right and of course uh liberty uh, uh LibertyRadioNetwork.com airs yeah. the latest episode of Gardner Goldsmith's Liberty Conspiracy every single day. Actually, pretty much immediately after Free Talk Live is over. So yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm like talking to you guys. I'm like, who's that? Who's that really sexy guy? If you're listening on LibertyRadioNetwork.com, uh, you will be put into the Liberty Network loop, if you will. After our live show's done, you'll hear the uh, Onion Radio Network first, which takes about a minute or so, and then Guard comes on. So that's a good way to get it as well. Uh, 800-259-9231 to Gene in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hi. I wanted to uh, chime in as how the Christian anarchist views what would happen in a voluntary or anarchist society. And I prefer the term anarchist because all of us anarchists are actually the most gentlest of people because we don't believe that coercive force should be used against anyone. Well, now how can you speak? Now how can you speak for all of the anarchists, Gene? Because there are some anarchists that wear uh, bandanas and and throw Molotov cocktails. Molotov cocktails through storefront windows. Well, of course I can't, but uh, ah, okay. those kind of people aren't really anarchists. They're socialists, and they call themselves. Uh, uh, socialist anarchist or whatever, which is really a contradiction in terms. So I don't consider them 
uh, true anarchists, because if you were a true anarchist, you would acknowledge that no coercive government is legitimate. So at any rate, uh, the way I view it is that there would be violence. I don't doubt, I do not question that in an anarchistic or voluntary society there will be violence. However, uh, a figure that I've tried to get and never been able to find is how much violence is committed by the police against the citizens. And you, I don't know, maybe you'll have a better chance, but I've tried searching for how many people get shot and killed by police. I cannot come up no, with a number. That's, that's too difficult. Yeah. I think Radley Balco over at The Agitator has determined how many uh, police raids they have every single year, but getting uh, d- detailed statistics like that, I, w- I would imagine it would be next to impossible to uh, get the police right. departments to and release. Then- And then if you tried to figure out how many people were injured by the police, I mean, the the amount of violence that the police uh, commit against the citizens is just astronomical in in, in my estimation. So I would say that even in an anarchistic society, you would have a lower level of violence. And the way I see the arbitration coming down or the uh, repres- uh, reputation coming down is just like in the Old West, and a good representation of that mod- in modern day is eBay. Before the big corporate and the government got involved in eBay, you had a reputation rating that was, uh, well, they still have the reputation rating. And I don't buy from anyone on eBay that has a reputation of less than 97, unless they've got some very unusual product that I want that I can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe that in a voluntary or anarchistic society, you're going to be doing it the exact same way. You're not going to go to the blacksmith if you know that the guy has screwed your neighbor. Yeah, you know, you'll have a low tolerance. To blacksmith. You'll have yeah. a low tolerance so, because you can choose the best of the best. Why would you choose less? And and just as a, as a matter of, uh, of of interest, when I was working on my book on Live Free or Die, uh, I looked up some statistics because I was dealing with the death penalty issue, and I looked up some things about the number of uh, innocent or, or accidental deaths caused by police around the country. And I got some statistics. I, I'll have to look it up in the book again. I can't remember if it was 300 in a year nationwide. But uh, clearly, if you had a private system and you had so-called enforcers that were slipshod and and killing innocent people, you wouldn't be dealing with them anymore. Just like if you bought a product that was poisonous, you're not going to buy that again. You know, it's it's ridiculous. If someone in your family dies, uh, no thanks. And then, of course, you have that extra layer of liability that uh, companies would would have to – they would be liable if they wanted to enter this sort of a marketplace. People would construct these sort of protective devices for themselves because they know that these things can happen and they want to try to mitigate these. And there's also in a uh, voluntary society or anarchist society the very fact that you would know that if you messed up somebody's kid, they're going to come looking for you. I mean, that's just the way it would be. And you, that would be a deterrent right there to know that if you, if you goof around with somebody and you harm their kid some way, you run them over with your car or something like that, you know that somebody's going to be looking for you. So you would tend to be more gentle. You would tend to be more careful. I think all of those things uh, are good. Because well, I think if somebody acted outside of the uh, the law as it existed in a uh, in a voluntary society, and there would be rules and laws that people had to obey by, uh, you know, abide by, then um, you know they're going to be treated as a criminal. And somebody who acts outside, if you're you an know, outlaw, you can be treated as an outlaw would be treated. Thank you, Gene, for the call well, tonight. Appreciate it at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Oh, and I guess the answer to the question that I asked, sort of rhetorically. About, well, you know, if you could get the best of the best, why would you sell it for anything less? There are answers to that. One of them is what Gene was saying. Well, if 
he's looking for something really unique that the best of the best sellers aren't selling, he might take a risk on going with somebody that just doesn't have the reputation built up yet. And indeed, how do you build reputation if you're competing against uh, people that already have established reputation? Well, you offer your product cheap enough to, or your service to be uh, good enough and, and, uh, and affordable enough to where people are willing to take a little risk on you and uh, and possibly use your services. Well, I mean, when you look at if you look at the the gray market and the black market as it exists today, currently you can't go to the grocery store or the drugstore and buy a pack of marijuana cigarettes. So people go to purveyors that are shady. They're they're, yeah. they're or you know any kind of drug. True, their reputation still exists to some extent. Cer- certainly, and it works within that area. Yeah. But I mean, you're still talking about a, a shady way of operating. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine got food poisoning from a uh, restaurant in Sarasota by eating their soft cheese but the lure of soft cheese was so high he went back a couple of months later ordered it again and got food poisoning again oh my gosh <laughs> well i mean this this I, I, as i understand it not to say that i'm in the connoisseur or the, the gourmand uh, of the group but that's a as, hallmark of good cheese is that you get poisoned by it, right I, as i understand uh, soft cheeses are kind of uh, prone <laughs> to this kind of thing if they're not properly stored all yeah. the time so it, it you know? Well, also, you think about, uh, for instance, as far as building reputation, what about, uh, you know, somebody like a hair cutter? There are people that are in training for being uh, hair hairstylists. Yeah. They will offer very reduced rate or if not free haircuts to guinea pigs, basically, sure. for people that are willing to, ah, I need a haircut. I'm too darn cheap to, you know, go and, and pay for it or I just don't feel like paying for it. So I'll go to this amateur and, uh, you know, get let them practice on me yes. and it will cost me nothing. Maybe they'll mess up, but it's worth it to me to save the 10 bucks. Or the, or I guess haircuts more than that. It shows you how long it's been since I've uh, paid for a hair t- uh, haircut. You give cheap people? 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, dental assistance, things like that. There are also similar things where colleges are teaching people dental hygiene, and you can come in and get your teeth cleaned by an amateur. And, you know, hey, throw caution to the wind. Some people are willing to do that. I, I actually volunteered to help out an old high school friend who was doing that for dentistry in at BU. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only problem was I had to keep going back over and over and over again. And she had to practice on my teeth and stuff over and over and over again. And it, it, she was great, but it just I couldn't fit into my, my schedule. I had too many punk rock shows to go to. <laughs> it's important. Exactly. You've got to have your priorities. You got that right, man. Kids are busy at BU. Yeah, I'm all over it. So the toll-free number here again, 800-259-9231. What are some other ways people could build reputation uh, in the marketplace and compete against the uh, the established businesses, the established interests? I mean, hey, why don't you come buy from me? Well, I don't know if I want to buy from you. You don't have any reputation. How, well, you, how do you actually get that ball rolling? One of the what things. Are some other ways? It, one of the things before you get into. I, I'm sorry, but my mind is just a. One of the things that government does, which is even you know an added insult to this, is that. When you do build and you do get a good reputation, then they use antitrust laws to attack you and destroy you. Mm. I mean, you've got all sorts yeah, you of can't great be too successful. You can't be too successful. You can't be too well-liked by people choosing your product or your enemies will use the government and say that you are anti-competitive because you're too good at what you do. Well, and, and so what we did when we started Free Talk Live was we were willing to literally work for free. I mean, we came into the uh, the, the office of the general manager and the program director. We we pitched them the idea of, uh, or basically we did. I mean, sort of not the same time, but you pitched the idea earlier, and then I pitched it again. Yep. Uh, and so we pitched the idea of doing a show that was local at that time for free. 
and that, I mean, there was no way they could say no. We had the we had the uh, the rapport that we needed with these individuals because we've, we've been working with them for a while, and so they said yes to it. They may very uh, people in a in a marketplace may very well go and get certified through a private uh, certification organization first in order to get uh, their certification good, and then they go out in the marketplace. Yeah. We're done. It's been Ian here with you and Garn and Mark. Back tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right, so it's another edition of the Edgington Post, and uh, today I have with me a guy that was, well, sort of pivotal in the selecting of New Hampshire for the Free State Project, to be the uh, the destination of the Free State Project. It's Don Gorman. Don, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, uh, Mark. Uh Find him well in sunny New Hampshire. <laughs> well, it is sunny today. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Now, yep, that's uh, <laughs> we've had our share of bad weather, but today it's really nice. You know, so, I, and, uh, and that's probably uh, one of the th- what's happening, Mark. Oh, well, one of the, one of the things that uh, people say when they, um, you know, when they when they hear about New Hampshire as the free state as the destination for the Free State Project, it sounds really great. But why didn't you pick my state? Um, you know, they they want to know why, why why do I have to move? It should have been you know Albuquerque or Alaska or Montana or Wyoming. Why why New Hampshire? Well, uh, I'll tell you, all of those states that you just have rattled off are excellent states. Uh, any one of them would have been uh, probably a very good choice. They certainly would have beaten uh, New Jersey, New York, uh, the uh, the People's Republic of Massachusetts, uh, yep. uh, so on and so on. But the bottom line was this, real simple. If you added up all of the freedoms that people in New Hampshire have, um, we, we came out on top. Yep, it, New Hampshire's the freest state. And- simple. Yeah, it definitely is the live free or die state. And since the freedom movement has picked up and nominated New Hampshire as, uh, you know, the the uh, free state, the people that have moved in here um, from across the country, from all of the states that you mentioned, uh, plus all of the oppressive states, have just added so much more to the fabric of New Hampshire. It is really, it, it is exciting. It's exciting for me because I was here when the first 12 people arrived. <laughs> and uh, to watch what it has grown into, uh, just absolutely incredible. We have uh, we have people that came here um, that uh, have started their own businesses. We have people that have come here and got married. We have people that uh, have come here got married to having children. Uh, like one of my Democratic friends said in a moment of, uh, of unguided comment, my God, don't tell me you're breeding them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the <laughs> yes, things that's happening. <laughs> we have four people that... Uh, just a few short years ago came here as free staters are now members of the New Hampshire legislature. We have a campaign school going on right now for the next election in which 
The uh, initial turnout was over 80 people that want to run for for the state house. We expect very uh, good results with this upcoming election, especially given the the mood of the country in general uh, in, in uh, respect to smaller government, less intrusion, et cetera, et cetera. So we feel that our candidates are going to do very, very well in the upcoming elections for the uh, for the state house here in New Hampshire. So it's just it's a great place to be. I mean, if 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 you're looking for freedom and liberty, this is the place to be, and it gets more exciting every single day. You now, know, I have to admit, we do have a lot of snow in the winter, and some people say, "Oh my God, it gets cold up there." You know, those uh, yeah, it does. But uh, I, I have no no sympathy for those. Fishing. I have no sympathy for those people, Don. I came from Sarasota, Florida, along with my business partner. I sold uh, two cars, uh, two houses. He did. He sold one uh, one car, one house, and we both picked up our lives to move to um, New Hampshire for the Free State and I uh, for the Free State Project. And I have to wonder, you know, like what is the level of commitment of somebody who says, "Oh my God, it it snows there." I mean, it's. Uh, I, I I understand all the other things. Well, I can remember one gal in particular who I won't name. She came here, and uh, it was winter time of February, I, I believe. Uh, went down to the beach and uh, the ocean, and we were going along. She had a camera. She was all bundled up like an Eskimo, and she kept taking these photographs of seagull footprints in the snow on the <laughs> on the seawall. And after about 30 of these pictures, I finally said, well, what are you doing? And so she says, I have never seen snow on a beach. Yeah, it's <laughs> strange. From, uh, <laughs> Southern California and had never seen snow, period. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense to, to, to people. Mark, you know, it is a matter of commitment. Um, it is not easy to do, and I know it. Uh, you have to, like you say, you have to pull up roots. Uh, sell your house, uh, pack up, move, whatever you got to do. It is not an easy uh, commitment. Uh, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of uh, preparation to do it and do it right. But on the flip side of it, right now people coming into this state have a great advantage over people that came here, let's say, a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right now you have an established community that is more than willing to greet you with open arms and help you find a place to stay and find, uh, you know, jobs, a temporary work, a temporary housing, take you around and, and show you and tell you about the state and be a part of a real growing, enthusiastic community. Um, we do a lot of barbecues and get-togethers and meet-the-greets, and uh, the 4th of July celebrations around here are probably the best in the country. <laughs> uh, we, we not only shoot off fireworks, we shoot off an awful lot of guns. <laughs> It's, it's the truth. There's a lot. Free staters do love their guns. <laughs> they certainly do, and by God, we love to have them up there. 
I live on a, on a road, and every Sunday afternoon, just about, it seems like you have gunfire up and down this whole street. People are shooting at, you know, at their backyards and whatever. And you don't have to worry about some idiot's going to call the cops or anything like that because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, if you're walking around uh, and you happen to be open carrying, uh, people really, really don't get too nervous about the about it. it, it it's just. It's just an accepted way of life that, uh, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody or causing a problem, uh, people just pretty, pretty much uh, let you do your own thing, be your own person. So, great so, place. I can't say enough for it. Now, Don, I think... Which uh, is why I got so excited about the Free State Project selecting a state and uh, me and a couple of other people who were residents here already uh, really worked hard to get uh, New Hampshire nominated as the free state. And I, I, I couldn't be happier. I, I saw it before it happened. I, I looked into my crystal ball in the future, and I said, yes, sir, this is going to be nothing but great. And we are really on the verge uh, of doing an awful lot of incredible things at the state house. If we get a small percentage, say 10 or 15, oh, for the people who don't know, New Hampshire has the third largest legislative body in the in the world. Um, there's Congress, uh, Parliament in England, and then the New Hampshire House, 400 members. But if we can get 20 members in there, we will control the house. Because now, why is a that? solid 20-vote majority um, is going to put us in a position where nothing gets passed without our okay. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That sounds a little cocky, but, but a lot. Much, um, right. I mean, when when you look at most legislation, most legislation passes or fails with a you know it, it, a dozen votes one way or the other um, would really make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's exactly the point. I don't want to get too technically political here, but um, most of the key votes that really count uh, come in with a 30-vote or less spread. So you divide that by two, that's 15 votes. 16 puts you on the other side of either winning or losing. Yeah, that, That's why I say 20 people will really have a major uh, participation and leverage right. in the House. And the Free State Project was coming. Right. And the Free State Project was uh, what I think it was 2004, maybe 2005 that New Hampshire was picked right about that point. And um, it took yep. two, it takes two years for somebody to be eligible to run. And currently there are four uh, Free Staters in the House at this point. And the House is the is is the uh, is the body to control the Senate. It's great and everything. The the governor, really unlikely we're going to slide a free stater in there anytime soon, but it's very likely we could have, uh, you know, t 10 or 15 uh, free staters in the House come uh, the end of November because, well, it's going to be a Republican sweep and many of them are running as Republicans, right? At this, it looks like in um, at the end of 2010 that America, or at least New Hampshire, will vote for anybody with an R behind their names and it doesn't matter who they are. But, um, you know, once the free staters get out there, campaign, do some door knocking because they understand what needs to be done because you're giving a class on it. Um, it, it seems like it's going to change everything. 
Yeah, well, we're we're giving. Uh, you're absolutely right, um, but we're giving more than a class. Uh, we're we're giving a series of classes, lectures, um, projects, but, uh, participation things that uh, are going to be required. It's really a whole schooling rather than a class, and yeah. it's not lecture. It's uh, hands-on. Uh, type of uh, of uh, learning experience. A lot of our classes are held at the uh, New Hampshire Legislature while they're in session, and we, you know, it, through training, we go into the various committees. We listen to the debate on the bills. Uh, after they've been coached enough, you actually go up and testify on these bills, either for or against, mm-hmm. depending on the bill. Um, get to know, you know, the sergeant at arms, the speaker of the house, the majority minority leaders. You might even bump into the governor uh, in our state because, unlike some states, uh, he's not in some kind of a concrete uh, bunker somewhere with 55 layers of security to uh, get to even see him. Uh, he wanders around the state house quite often, and uh, it's not unusual to literally just bump into him down in the cafeteria. <laughs> it's a very open state, so I wouldn't know if I, I saw him. <laughs> What's that? It's a real pleasure. I mean, compared to some of these other states, uh, geez, I mean, you got to go through seven secretaries, two assistant uh, sec- secretaries, some other minister or something else, just to get to see, uh, you know, a, a senator or a, or a representative or a county commissioner or whatever. Not so in New Hampshire. Yeah, the, the government is very. Ex- the door, say, Hi, I'm here. Yeah, the government's very <laughs> accessible in New Hampshire. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, so if, anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm really encouraging people that uh, are not quite sure, sitting on the fence. Um, you know, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm always saying, "What the hell are you waiting for?" You know, I know it's not easy, but what are you waiting for? You're not going to go anyplace else freer and live in this country. Number one. And whatever your state is, you know, whatever state you're in, I'm sure they're strangling you one way or the other. Either taxes or regulations or, you know, you, you can't own firearms or you, you have to have a permit for this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, taxes and fines and fees. And I mean, we have our fair share, but we also uh, have... You know, the people really get involved in their politics up here. So you ought to see the tea parties. Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> we do have some nice tea parties in New, in New Hampshire, you know. I haven't been to any of them, but, um, you know, the I, I think that what people, um, you know, in other states, they're, they're, they're probably experiencing is something like, uh, you know, just a feeling of dejection. There's their government is growing. Their government doesn't know how to do anything but grow. Um, it, it's going to you know during this uh, financial downturn. Well, the the state employees and the county employees they're all getting their great benefits. They're negotiating for better benefits with their um, unions while the rest of us sit out of work. And 
it, I think in New Hampshire, <laughs> the unions have been having a little bit of trouble. Um, and, you know, I can see hope for stopping the growth of government in New Hampshire. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but. No, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. The unions, uh, they have been uh, they, they have been laying off at state workers um, over the last year or so. And there's going to be more in the future, which um, eventually is going to get to the point where just just on budget alone, uh, you will have to reduce government in areas. Now, of course, the papers will come out and say, oh, they're going to cut the state police in half. There'll be no protection and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's a lot of bunk. There's, there's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of waste uh, in New Hampshire, uh, like any other state. The difference is we now have a group of people that can pinpoint it. They can actually point to say, you know, we don't need – 15 different bureaucracies to uh, encourage tourism, for example. We don't need any. If you want to come up here and enjoy the mountains and the seacoast, come on up. <laughs> you know, we don't need two or three agencies to promote that. Now, if the Chamber of Commerce wants to promote it, that's fine, but not the government. Yeah. Get the hell out of there. But we have people that are very, very interested. I think another thing that's happening, and it has to be very general, but when I talk to people that come from the real oppressive states, uh, New Jersey, for example, keeps coming up on my radar screen, but uh, any of those states down there, they, they feel frustrated. They feel like... I've been out protesting. I've written my senator. I've, I've called up my congress, sent emails to everybody and their brother, and I am very ineffective. Nothing's happened. They won't even talk to me. I don't even get a return email. I mean, nothing. I am totally disconnected uh, from my my government. That's not the case here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. You you will find that your state representative, whatever town or city you live in, is probably right down the street, uh, right around the corner, across town. And they're in the local phone book. And you can pick up the phone and give them a call. You can send them an email. Let me tell you real quick. Respond to it. Let me, yeah, let me, let me tell you real quick what happened to me. Twice now, I called my local rep, and uh, his name's his name's Jack, like my son, oddly. And I, you know, called him and talked to him about a bill that he disagrees with me on. And I left him a message right. on his home answering machine, and he called me back. He called me yes. back, and the, the, yes. I need to I need to make the point. They don't have offices. There's 400 of them. They have a they have a mailbox cubby hole at the state house, and that's and that's it. So, I mean, for the average person, the idea of their of, of anybody at their state rep office calling them back is is ludicrous. But this guy, he picked up the phone and called me and basically told me I'm not interested in voting the way you you want me to vote. And here's why. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. It'd be one thing if he called and, and agreed with me just because people love to hear agreement. But it's enti- I, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've been on both sides of that myself, so I know, because I was a rep for yeah. eight years, 
and people would call, leave messages, and a lot of times I didn't know what side of the issue they were on, but I was eager to find out, so I'd immediately call them back, and uh, sometimes I'd get praise, sometimes I'd get catch hell. Uh, most of the time, what I got was some good, solid advice. You know, the bill is pretty good, but you need to tweak it here and tweak it there and have a little here and take a little less there. And actually, it was almost always good advice. And this was coming from the citizens. Yeah. Again, it's coming from Americans and com- coming from the people who own it, own the government. Not, you know, and when they say things because they are truly interested in making a piece of legislation better, or at least make some suggestions, they're heard. Mm-hmm. Their voices are heard. Um, I, I don't know of any other state that uh, has that kind of openness uh, to their elected officials. Oh, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, they, they just. So again, I get back to people who are sitting, living under some kind of infuriating oppression in in some and, and that's the correct word oppression um, I don't know why they're they're not here I don't know why they're not in New Hampshire because the hard part has really been done establishing the few communities and people and organizations that are flourishing now uh, because they weren't here three, four years ago. They didn't exist, but they exist now. And you you cannot find a better climate or a better group of people to, uh, to like I say, just open, open arms, grease the tracks for you, help you out, point you in the right direction. Um, it's just... It's a great place to bring up kids. It's one of the lowest crime uh, states for crime. I think we're, the, we're either the second lowest or the lowest. We're right around in that range. We're also the uh, second highest or highest of firearms per capita. Uh, so there's, there's something to be said for that relationship. But it's just a place where you can come and, you know, you want to homeschool your kids? No problem. Um, You want to uh, take your family down and uh, visit your state rep? No problem. (laughs) You know, uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. And we do have... We have beautiful mountains, uh, the White Mountains. We do have the seacoast, a lot of outdoor activities, hunting, fishing, bicycling, uh, the whole thing. Like I say, in the wintertime, yeah, everything freezes over, but then you go ice fishing, and that's kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Or snowmobiling, or skiing, or snowshoeing. (laughs) If you don't know how to do those things, uh, you'll learn real quick because it's everywhere. Yeah, they uh, it's a nice state. There's a bevy of uh, winter activities for for people to get into. I can't say that I've uh, I've picked one of them up, but um, you know, I I I see people doing them all the time. So, what Absolutely. are if, if people um, absolutely are, 
If people come and take your uh, your course in uh, you know how to how to get involved in New Hampshire politics, I guess what are some of the things that they're going to um, experience? What are some what what's some advice you'd have for people that are picking up and moving to New Hampshire? Um, you know those kind of things. Um, you, you mean people that are, are going to be in the course? Well, I guess uh, first question: what what advice do you have for people that are uh, that have decided to move for the Free State Project? What's what's your advice to them? What's, what should they do when they get uh, if here? If you've already decided to move or thinking about moving, then tomorrow's the day you want to get going. <laughs> the sooner you get here, the better it will be. We're in the springtime. Summers are beautiful around here. Uh, like I say, you have all of these folks that, uh, that are here ready, willing, and able to help you. Um, it's a much uh, easier time in the uh, in the summer to get get established. You'll have the summer. You'll be able to roll your kids in the school system uh, come September. But now is an excellent time to be moving out. We get back to the difficulties of moving. And like you said, you had to sell a house and a car, and uh, people, you know, have. have have roots where they live, and it's not easy to cut them off. But if you stop to think about it, you think about, well, why am I living here, wherever here is, and putting up with this stuff when I could be in New Hampshire for crying out loud and I don't have to put up with any of it? Well, so, less of it at least. <laughs> I'm going. I'm on my way. <laughs> so. Um, and, and and if people are going to take the uh, take your course, what can they expect to uh, experience there? Now the course is free, right? Uh, no, not not exactly. Okay, uh, it, uh, it's about ten dollars a session, and we'll okay. have about six, so it's under a hundred bucks. All right. But uh, what can you expect? Well, first of all, you have to qualify. You have to have lived in the state for a minimum of two years, and uh, uh, that's just a state requirement. Yep. But what you can expect from me is the whole attitude in my class is to get rid of the myths, get rid of the, um, the fluffy ideas, and get right down to solid core issues on how to run and how to win. And the whole object of it is you're going to do this to win. I do a lot of screening um, because you might have thought or you were not sure uh, if I got the time to do this. Or what is my family going to do? What about my boss? What about my work? What about this? What about that? And we've already done the screening on that. Mm-hmm. And people pretty well have determined, yes, I can run um, or no, I cannot run, but I can support a candidate that is running. And many of them do. Yeah, just as valuable. So what we've done already is separate those two groups of people. And what they are going to get is, like I say, hands-on deliberate training. We spend time in the state house, in the legislature, in the committee hearing rooms. We get to meet the uh, reps and the senators and uh, introductions, but they also learn the process. What is this bill all about? What is a subcommittee? What is an executive session? Are we allowed to attend an executive session? All of that stuff uh, 
is taught in this class. And like Joel Witters, who is uh, one of our four legislators, told me one day, he said, Don, when I got there the first day and I, I raised my hand and got sworn in, he said, there was no, no question in my mind that I knew more about this legislative process than, he said, probably a third of the House. Than the guy swearing you in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did. Um, it's a very tough course. I'll have to say I'm a, uh, a hard tack master, if you will. Uh, I do not. Uh, I do not spend a lot of time with arguments and uh, what they think is a good idea, and so I've done it. I've been successful. I know what I'm talking about. Follow me. Here we go. We're going to win. Um, but they will. They will see it unfold. They will see themselves raising their hand in January to get sworn in, because I can see it right now. So, yeah, it's a tough course. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when you get all finished with it, you hit the ground running at the state house, and we're going to have a different advantage that we didn't even have two years ago. Right now, I've got four legislators up there. I suspect they're all going to run again. I suspect that they're going to get reelected again. And if that happens, and we have 10, 15, 20, whatever brand new reps coming into the hall, we are now going to have a leadership team. And that's something we've never, we haven't been able to put together yet because we haven't had experienced legislators in there with at least one term under their belt. Mm -hmm. So we will have and put together a leadership team, which will give the newly elected reps a lot more direction, a lot more foundation, a lot more security. I mean, it's just going to be an awesome thing to see. So the grand finale is coming, folks. <laughs> Pack up your bags and get down here. You, you don't want to miss the show. <laughs> so where... I'll tell you, <laughs> things are happening. What are some of the things that uh, what are what are I guess the tricks, as it were, to uh, to getting elected in in New Hampshire? There's no tricks. It's hard work, hard work, and hard work. You're not going to just you know walk down, sign up, and wait for the phone to ring so the secretary of state just said you got elected. Yeah. You're going to be knocking out doors. You're going to be sending out emails. You're going to be putting a team together of people. Now that team could be your spouse, significant other, your brother, your sister, uh, but you're going to have a team of people. You're going to learn about how to contact the media, how to have people write letters to the editor in your favor. You're going to learn to ask for donations. You're going to learn to ask for money. You're going to learn how you have to have money to run this thing, and you have to get out there and ask for it. And that's the reason I keep emphasizing that is probably the toughest thing of the whole course. People hate to ask for money. Mm -hmm. Yes. They just, they, they just, you know, hi, vote for me and give me 20 bucks. I mean, they just, <laughs> they, they'll ask for the vote, but they really cringe at asking for the money. So one of the 
the challenges I have with my class, they're going to have to raise $500 uh, for the primary and another $500 for the general election. Yep. And it cannot be a check from Uncle Harry for $500. I want to see, you know, I want to see 1010s. I want to see 520s. I want to see, you know, 50 different people that have, I don't care if it's a dollar, but I want people, a lot of people, to contribute to your campaign. Right. So you're much better if you ask 10 people for $10 than Uncle Harry for 500 So those are some of the things that, uh, they're not really tricks. They're, they're just hard work. But at the well, end of that is victory. Right, and I think that uh, what's what's happening is the, the incumbents aren't doing that. They're not going door to door. Um, and and here in New Hampshire, politics is extraordinarily local. And if you go door to door, you meet people. It makes all the difference in the world. I mean, I, I I've I, I've told this story before, and I met Joe Biden at a um, you know a radio. It, event. And even though he looked like a boob up there and everything, I have a special place in my heart for that that uh, that guy. I wouldn't vote for him and I never did, but I feel things about him that I wouldn't feel about another politician because I haven't met them. So if if you go to somebody's door and and ask for their vote and they do go and vote on that day, then they're they're more than likely going to put your name down. They've met you, they've touched your hand, you've talked to them, you've been in their home they're you're special to them and especially if they don't know anything about the other guy and most people oh, you're absolutely right and this is part of the work again the work ethic you know every one of these towns even, even right across the country you know they have things like volunteer fire departments or they have the woman's flower club or or they have the uh uh, veterans, uh, various veterans associations, and so on and forth. You're going to meet them all. You, <laughs> you're going to be down there at their meeting, whenever it is, mm-hmm. and you are going to go there as a, a guest speaker for that evening, and you are going to talk to um, the individual, whatever the group is that you're talking to, and they're going to ask you questions, and you're going to shake hands and sit down and have a cup of coffee with them afterwards. Yeah, you're right. It's very, very personal. Unlike almost any other state I'm aware of, uh, you just you just don't get a chance to do that with your elected officials. And it's a part of the training here. <laughs> It has to be. I mean, that's the and that's the thing. Um, you, you know, one of the reasons that uh, that that people who move for the Free State Project have a chance of winning is there's not that much to win. When you um, when you get a state house uh, seat, it's you're one of four hundred people. You get paid a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a year, some ridiculously a low amount. There's not a, there's there's too many uh, reps for a lobbyist to, uh, to to give you a payoff or something like that. There's no money in it. So it has to be ideologues, and if we can run our ideologues and have our ideologues work harder than their uh, socialist ideologues, we're going to win. And all we have to do is have what what you said, you know, 20 people, two dozen people in the House, and then you control the House which direction the vast majority of bills goes. That means that we kill 90, 95 percent of bad legislation – 
how is it going in your state? Are they killing 90 to 95 percent of the bad legislation in Rhode Island, in uh, Massachusetts, in Pennsylvania, in California? No, I know. I read this stuff. I do it for a living. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you got a little fired up there, didn't you, Mark? I, I, I picked up and moved for a reason, Don, because I saw that there was nothing that could be done in Florida. All the Yankees are sending down the, their old socialists that are voting for whatever they're voting for, and, and the government's growing every day. I couldn't do anything there. You no, know, that's exactly right, which is what I was alluding to on the yep. frustration. It must be frustrating it is. as hell. <laughs> To live in these states where you're banging your head against a concrete wall and getting nowhere, and uh, it's got to be frustrating. And then that leads to anger, and then that leads to outbursts and all kinds of stuff. Yep. When you can come up here and actually get involved and feel good about yourself, you go to bed at night and you say, yeah, wow, that was great. I knocked on 400 doors today. <laughs> My knuckles were sore. Boy, I feel good because out of the 400 people I met today, 300 of them were very nice and smiled and, oh, thank you, and and uh, uh, I'll definitely consider voting for you or, yes, I will vote for you or whatever. Um, you feel good. Even if you lose the election at that point, you still feel good. You know you got out and did something. And it doesn't have to just be the state house. I mean... One of the advantages of New Hampshire is New Hampshire elects everything and everybody. We we elect water commissioners. We uh, elect cemetery trustees. We elect school boards. We elect fire districts. I mean, and on and on and on. Uh, all of those <coughs> different uh, types of political organizations are, uh, are elected positions. You have to go out and campaign. You get elected, and here's the big thing. Once you're elected, you've got to vote on that board. It's a whole different thing when you're voting on a board. Now, I've been on the school board for nine years here in my town, yeah. and believe me, they still don't know how to handle me. <laughs> they were going to put in a policy against firearms, for example, one time. Oh, weapon, weapons in general, you know, oh, we want a policy against that. And I said, we're not going to do that. Don't even think about it. we got people who hunt. They have shotguns and rifles in the car. They drop the kids off at school, pick the kids up at night. Um, we're not going to make them criminals. We're just not going to do it. So that was one example of being on a local school board where it was very successful. They dropped the whole policy and never adopted it. Hmm. And those kind of things can happen, you know, almost every single month. Um, the uh, So there's the local issues, but again, you're involved in your government. You are the government. And the people around you as citizens, they're not career politicians. Like you said, they get a hundred bucks a year to be a state rep, plus your mileage from wherever you live. To, uh, to clock it. And that's it. You're not in it for the money. You know, this is not New York. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. They don't have an office. The Senate, who has 24 members over there, they have offices, but they usually have to share them with a minimum of two senators, sometimes three. 
So a very, very small staff. Um, you basically uh, are paying your own way, and you uh, serve as many terms as you can, and then you go back to whatever it was, your job, your business, your your schooling, your what have you, um, which is the way government at that level was intended to be. Serve a couple of terms and go home back to the farm. Well, These guys in Washington, they figure they're down there for life. Well, as far as I'm concerned, so, we can keep the good reps on as long as they want to stay here. Um, <laughs> it's the bad ones that I want to send back to their uh, their 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 businesses, their homes, and their farms. <laughs> yeah, well, I got... Uh, you, you know it, Mark. You're here. You know there's going to be a cleansing of the House and Senate no, it's, uh, yeah. come November. And I'm talking state, local here, uh, which is what I say for all the people who are thinking about moving here. Now is the time to do it because there's going to be one hell of a grand finale in November. You really don't want to miss it. <laughs> yeah. I've got a funny feeling there'll be an awful lot of fireworks being shot off here in New Hampshire uh, come the uh, come the closing of the polls and the counting of the votes. Oh. Yep. Yeah, and the motto of the state is live free or die. Uh, the socialists have moved in from uh, Taxachusetts right on our border and uh, tried to start putting in their ways of doing things. And they've had a little bit of a degree of success, but what they're getting now is a tremendous backlash. Um, we do not want socialistic agendas here in our state. Yep. Um, and we're not going to have it. We just will not put up with it. Uh, we had one one brand new rep, didn't know what was going on, put in an anti-gun bill, and there were 500 people that showed up at the hearing. <laughs> would say probably half of them were carrying guns. But anyway, yeah. they uh, they participate. People participate and uh, they keep track of who's voting for what. You're not you're not hiding under some rock somewhere in obscurity. You you are the citizen. You are a citizen legislator. And uh, by God, you get the feathers ruffled around here and there will be 500 people at a hearing. It's absolutely so, true. If if, uh, if 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 something bad was going on in the Florida State House uh, when I lived in Sarasota, I don't know how I would have ever found out about it. But if I did find out about it, it's a heck of a commitment to say, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go six hours one way uh, to Tallahassee to stand up against this. New Hampshire just because of its size, uh, it it fosters people being more uh, involved in their government. Pretty much two-thirds of the population lives in one-third of the state, which is the bottom third of the state. So the vast majority of people don't live more than uh, an hour and a half from the state house and you know there's some people up in the northern portion that could probably that could probably if you were the very top up there in Pittsfield or whatever it might take you three and a half hours to get to the state house but uh, the vast majority of people from you know for the free state project are moving in the, the the southern portion of New Hampshire where the weather's at least 10 degrees warmer in the winter so 
people people are uh, that much more participatory. And you know, another thing is, uh, how about that gal who tried to put in that homeschooling legislation twice now? I mean, I've it it makes the it makes the people that showed up for the gun event look like a small crowd. Uh, there were. <laughs> Fifteen hundred people. That that was that's another thing. You had this bureaucratic mentality. Uh, You had on the education committee, and uh, I'll I'll keep it general without pointing out names or anything. We know who they are. They're on their way out. In a rush. Um, But we had a lot of retired public school teachers that were put on that committee. Now. I don't care what you say or how nice they are. If you spent 20 or 30 years in the public school system and retired from it, you are, thorough, you are a thoroughly brainwashed socialist because they always look towards administration as having all the answers. The administration tells them what to do. The administration lays out the agenda of what is right and wrong and what is politically correct and not politically correct. So it's a top-down uh, type of uh, system when when you're dealing with public schools. They tried. They didn't try. They carried that mentality into the education committee uh, and tried to put in those types of socialistic controls. We'll control this. Uh, we won't allow that. Uh, we'll we'll have a fee for the other thing. They tried to bring those in. You're right. The homeschoolers went right through the roof in this in this state, and there were I don't know how many showed up, but you're right. It did make the gun the uh, gun uh, hearings uh, look like kindergarten in comparison. The well, halls were filled. The elevators were filled. The stairwells were filled. The front lawn was filled. The front steps was filled. Yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> I went there with my wife to uh, you know to support, and I. This the huge what they call the uh, the general court where the where the the house meets was the whole uh, viewing area was was packed standing room only the hall out in front was packed standing room only they were lined up three across up the stairs going up there uh, I believe that's on the second floor it might be on the third and uh, the the lobby was filled and the homeschooling moms were giving lessons on the uh, you know the Civil War to their kids because there's all these flags and uh, you know battle stuff in the uh, the, the house uh, you know lobby there and and then um, they were out on the lawn. I I never got up the steps, Don. I <laughs> I didn't see any reason to go up. I mean, <laughs> that's... yeah, that's New Hampshire. You you just hit New Hampshire right on the head. Um, that that is exactly. And speaking of the homeschoolers, yeah, they were they were giving lessons on uh, on the Civil War because of all the Civil War flags and yep. that. But they were, more importantly. They were giving these kids lessons, hands-on, first-person first lessons on how government is supposed to work. Yep, they they brought their kids. They they they'd be four. They'd be four or five in a row descending. Dun dun dun. They 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 brought you know they 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 were well washed and uh, pressed, and they you know they they gave a very very polite. 
clean and neat hell no to the uh, the House uh, Education Committee, and it was it yeah. was amazing to see. And you know, people talk about they want a participatory uh, democracy, and I can tell you, these politicians wanted anything but this kind of participatory democracy going on in Concord. They were like, "Oh my goodness!" And there, you, you can't do anything against that level of participation. No, you absolutely cannot. And and what that has done is, uh, you know, we've taken the good leaf uh, from the frustration uh, side uh, of the problem. When when people see this kind of stuff, they get they don't get frustrated. They get angry, and they say. Who put in that bill? What district do they live in? I am going to make sure that that individual or individuals does not get reelected. Now, I can give you one quick snapshot of that. There was a very liberal senator who was putting in, and again, I don't want to mention any names because that just stirs animosity for no reason. The the senator, the woman, lived in Manchester, and she was putting in this incredibly terrible anti-gun bill. And the result was, is we got together, we being the general free staters, got together and started bombarding her house with phone calls, emails, letters, bombarding her office up at the state house, following her all over the place when she would leave. There'd be a group of people walking behind her with pro-gun signs carrying it. So now they weren't abusive. They didn't call her names or anything else. They just said, we have a right to express our opposition to your bill. The bottom line was she had to change her phone number. In, in other states, when you don't have as many people, because you know having fewer people to vote for you makes every vote that much more valuable. When I, and I don't know how many uh, representatives there are in the state of California, but say there's a hundred of them. You know, when you're when you're spreading that over, I don't know, forty five, fifty million people. You know, they they have a huge constituency. They don't care what the average person says. But in my town, right. my representative has a constituency of 2,500 people, So, and, and, and about a tenth of them vote, <laughs> maybe 20% yeah. of them vote, maybe a fifth of them vote. And so when, uh, when somebody says something to him, he has to pay attention to that. Oh, absolutely they do. Absolutely. And the other thing of it is you're going to meet this guy in the coffee shop tomorrow morning. I do. You know, it isn't like the reps live in some foreign planet somewhere behind security and and magnetometers and all this kind of stuff. They're citizens. The 
they're in the grocery store. They're at the copy shop. They're uh, at the gas station. You're filling up the gas. In comes your state rep and fills up his gas tank. Yep. They're not alien people on another planet. They're people right across the street from where you live. They're people you see in church, in the supermarket. And your kids go to school with their kids, unless you're homeschoolers. Um, you know, it's people you know. So you can walk right up and say, look. I really object to this, that, or the other thing, whatever it is. Or I really think you're doing a great job, and I'll continue to support you and your efforts because I've been watching your voting up there, and I really like the way you vote. I mean, it goes both ways. But you're right. The rep, the state senator, uh, absolutely knows. Uh, who they are, who the constituents are, and they do pay attention. They have to pay attention. Don Gorman, final so, thoughts? Some of those retired school teachers I don't think will be on the education committee next next term. I, I think you're probably right about that. Um, I have to get running, Don. <laughs> <laughs> matter of fact, I'd bet, I'd bet dollars to donuts on it right now. So, uh, so, do you have any final thoughts, Don? I have to. I have to get running here. Oh, you do. Okay. Uh, no, uh, my final. My final thought today is the uh, is the uh, thought that I had. You know, five years ago when twelve people showed up that had moved and and were here for the first time and uh, all kind of bewildered and is this going to work? We didn't even know if it was going to work. Sure. Um, so it was all new and, and exciting and scary, and the whole thing all rolled into one. But the only thought I have right now is just stop living where you're living. I mean, we have great schools, we have great hospitals, we have great roads, great mountains, great seashore. I mean, just in government that is off your back, and uh, it's just, you know, Pack up and move. <laughs> that's, Thanks. That's, that's my thought. Pack up and move. And before you get, and before you pack up and move, go to freestateproject.org. Sign on the statement of intent uh, for the Free State Project. And uh, Don Gorman, thank you very much. Okay. Good luck to everybody. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.